carries in another. And Keith has this big screen in front of him. Yeah, yeah. And he's trying to move it. And he's like, he's hiding behind. And all he hears Gary's like, what are you hiding back there? He goes, you need some WD-40 for that. And he just, he's playing peekaboo with the camera on live TV. Dude, there was a, such a fucking, there, there was like, a great Keith goofball. moment when the camera was near him. And he was like, now, generally when the pitch comes right at you and he uses his pen to tap the camera and it just shatters. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a crazy expensive piece of equipment. Uh, it's uh, It was great. My favorite broadcast, um, and I was mad that they weren't on SNY when the Mets got drubbed because it would have made watching all nine innings of 14 to 1 more <laughs> tolerable. Um, but they're great in the games when they're getting blown out because Keith just gets so mad. And as bad as I thought A-Rod was in commentary, Chipper Jones this makes A-Rod look like Vin Scully. First yeah. off, he didn't sound like he wanted to be there at all. He didn't sound particularly excited about the fucking Braves who were his fucking team. And I just had a bit... It's a big con- conflict of interest to me that Chipper Jones, of all people, would be allowed to commentate on a fucking... Not just... A, a Braves game, fine. But a Braves-Mets game... game yeah, right. And they, they put his cock-sucking cardboard cutout of him and his douchebag son, Shea, out there. He paid for it. F- uh, ESPN did. Oh, ESPN. Fuck him okay. and fuck Shea. I fucking hate both of them. I fucking hate them. Are, I think that's, are we recording? That's, okay. that's such a dickhead move, like to name your kid Shea. And it's such a cunty I, move. I, I grew a great appreciation for Chipper Jones at the end. And it was kind of the same thing that even Red Sox fans were appreciating Derek Jeter at the end, Mariano. Well, I mean, it's also, I mean, for sports wise, it's kind of like me appreciating Philip Rivers. Yeah, exactly. You, like, you get it. And, like, still it was, fuck him. It was always like whenever Chipper Jones was there, you chanted, Larry, Larry. When he was an active player, I never called him Chipper Jones. He was Larry Jones. I would, people were like, who? I'm like, fucking Chipper. <laughs> fuck yeah. a home run, Chipper. Yeah, so, dude, you're also, a, like, Larry. Larry Jones. That's such a like fucking <sighs> shitty name. It makes me so mad. And those teams between fucking Andrew Jones and then that pitching staff who were guys I loved watching pitch. I love watching Greg Maddox pitch. John Smoltz was probably the best example of a, a great starter becoming a great closer. And then Tom Glavin, a great pitcher, comes to the Mets. He's really good. And then on the last game in the 2007 season, he gets fucking bombed and they interview him post game. He's like, yeah, I've, I've had a pretty storied career. Losing one game doesn't mean anything to me. Well, fuck you, cocksucker. <laughs> it means something to me, you douchebag. That's <laughs> so... He's just, yeah, whatever. Yeah, he didn't give a he fuck. He doesn't give a shit. And man. then he goes in the Hall of Fame and he like doesn't even talk about his Mets career. Fucking scumbag. Like, Al Leiter talks about his time on the Mets, the Yankees. Cone does the same thing. And they're cool at Daryl Strawberry does it. Doc Gooden. And this cocksucker acts like he was never on the Mets and wasn't actually pretty good for them for a short period of time. But he'll always have that last game game 162 of the 2007 season against the cocksucking Marlins. Oh my god. Uh, we'll talk about the Marlins in a little bit. If you haven't noticed, this is episode 112 of You Watch, I Listen. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. There's a lot happening in the, the world the world in general, uh, specifically in the sports world. Uh, there's stuff happening in the movie world. Uh, a lot of people died. Uh, Dude, aliens. <laughs> aliens. We got a lot to talk about there. Um, so uh, This week I'm going to be reviewing two albums. I'm going to be Reviewing Tyler the Creator's Flower Boy, which Jerry just, our guest from last week, Jerry, just tweeted to me a poll that someone posted. Does listening to Tyler the Creator make you gay? Yes or yes? <laughs> so I hit yes. Um, and an album Josh gave me, uh, Childish Gambino's Because the Internet and Taylor. I review the movie Relic. Relic. All right, we'll see you guys so you in watch just a minute. And podcast starts now.
Home Depot uh, in Kansas had to be evacuated for a bomb threat. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. oh take it out, take it out. <laughs> yeah, fuck oh, yeah. suck it nice and slow. <laughs> a couple other really funny news stories. Kenny G. Who the fuck is Kenny G? The fucking clarinet player. Oh, suck it nice. <laughs> what did he do wrong? It's time for the You Watch, I Listen podcast, and always remember, don't sniff it, just do it. Welcome back to You Watch, I Listen. Uh, when I say welcome back, I mean it's like a 30-second song, so you didn't really go anywhere, and if you did, fuck you, because you're not listening right now. Uh, so, Taylor, uh, how was your week? Mm. Long. All right. Before, uh, I want to ask Josh really quick, and then I want to go back to you, Taylor. Josh, how was your week? Uh, pretty solid. You got a guitar? I got a guitar. Very nice. A very, very nice, nice. Very nice guitar. Very nice guitar. Better than your Warlock ever was. Much better. See, the Warlock was cool when we were, like, in high school, because yeah. you see, like, Mick Thompson and Slepnot playing, you're like, that's a cool fucking guitar. And then if you actually know how to play guitar, you're like, oh, this is fucking ass. Yep. And it, as bad as it was when you first got it, which you probably were too ignorant to the guitar to fully understand what was happening with it, because really back then, you're only playing power chords yeah and now all these years later we haven't really maintained it it's a hundred times worse oh it's so and bad it's it's fucking awful you might as well just fucking see if someone will buy it some shitty guitar shop well you know what i'll i'll hold on to it just because it looks cool yeah it does look cool nostalgia yeah. you know what happened because 10 years from now when you're a great big rock star like like all, <laughs> like, like, like all these guys do they're like this is the first guitar i ever owned what is well that, that was the conversation we were having with josh about guitar center not contacting about his guitar being there what a bunch and, of horse and i was like i said it to you like the employees at Guitar Center are always these dudes that are in their mid-30s to like early 50s that think they still have a shot at being a rock star. Mm-hmm. And my dad, when he was playing in bands, he, there was uh, one guy that he was in a band with for years that he was like, I love the guys, one of my best friends. He's 55 and he still thinks he's going to become a rock star. Stop. And he has like, not the guy knew, knew, knew Les Paul. Like he was friends with Les Paul. He's an amazing guitarist. Can you think but, of a better connection? Yeah, it's like, but, and you're not a rock star. It ain't going to happen now when you're playing at the fucking Phoenix Club in Haskell. Oh, <laughs> like, come on, dude. And my dad's like, I just want to play music and have fun. And this guy thinks we're going to become big. He's like, I don't care. I don't want to. He's like, I, if I become, I, you know, my dad actually said, we're not going to become big. I'm already big. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. That's when it happens, when you don't give a shit. Yeah, that, that would have been something. And then he fucking so, dies right when he blows up. It's actually funny that we, like, <laughs> his heart blows up when he does. It's funny when you're, like, because last night I got into a rabbit hole of just, like, hardcore rock star fucking, um, like, tour stories from like, Guns N' Roses, like, all those crazy all right. stories. So I was listening to Duff McKagan had the most fucked up story when they hitchhiked from L.A. all the way to Seattle in one night, played a show to maybe three people, and on the way there, (laughs) they lost their gear, they got robbed, they did meth. Like, it was like, and it's like OG Guns N' Roses, and they said even at that time, you know, they didn't have a record deal, they had nothing. They still, like, they had already written Welcome to the Jungle. Axel was already in the process of writing November Rain. Okay. So, like, just getting into all those old-school stories is what I like most. Yeah, I, I love hearing you know those I mean? old-school school, old like, stories. Like, even... Like even with the Motley Crue stuff, use your imagination. It probably happened. You sure, know what I'm saying? sure. But, like, hearing... Like, even though I really don't think... I don't think the world of Guns N' Roses is outside of Appetite. Usually, yeah. Illusion is pretty good. But I don't like, love November Rain. It's too I, much, It's too operatic for me. I love November Rain, but it's... 
I agree with you. It, is, it can be a little too much. It's, it drags. Like, if they cut off two minutes on that song, I like it way more. But, so, what I was originally going to say was, you know, obviously, you know, when, when you're not trying to be a rock star, usually that's when shit kind of happens. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? When you're not yeah. looking for it. Um, when I was in Florida, I probably told this story before, but when I was in Florida, my buddy's dad had a... Um, had a studio in his garage, you know, drum kit, bass, all the shit. Okay. And we're, you know, we're jamming out him, uh, me, him, and his buddy. And, you know, we're having a good time, maybe two, three-hour jam session. And the guys look at me like, you know, do you want to, do you actually want to do this? Because you're a pretty halfway decent drummer. I go, I, I mean, I've, I've always thought about it. He goes, well, listen, let me, let me give you, let me tell you something that no one ever told me. You know what the difference between a pizza and a musician is? And I, I don't want to fuck a musician. And he goes, well, <laughs> and, and, and he goes, <laughs> He go, what does he say? Well, it doesn't matter. No. <laughs> yeah, here, here, the punchline just took it. No, because he goes, well, a pizza will feed a family of four. Okay. A musician, a musician will. A musician will not. Dude, my dad. Now, and for whatever reason, that hit me right there. No, I'm like, you know what? You're probably right. It's true. And, you know, my dad was in bands. And I'm like, my, what family of four my, do you have? My dad played at CBGB opening for fucking ZZ Top back in the day. And, like, when I was watching him, you know, from my childhood on, play, he would he just had fun doing it. Like, he'd go play at a fucking local bar. He wouldn't get home till 3 in the morning. And he'd come home with maybe 150, 200 bucks, 500 on a, a good show. But he loved everything about yeah, it. Yeah, he loved it. He just liked playing music. And he would play in any band. He was in a country band that is still playing locally to this day called Farmer Phil and the Renegades. He was their bass player. He doesn't like country. He didn't like country at all. And he's just like, I just want to play music. He started like out that. playing bass by doing Motown because that's the best fucking bass lines. Um, so um, before I ask you, get, I just put my cigarette out on Taylor. Before I get back to you, Taylor, uh, my week was fine. I did my yard. Um, I got tricked into a gender reveal that I was allowed to leave before they did it. She was like, you can go. I just needed a ride here. I'm like, all right, good. Because I'm not staying for this bullshit. Um, so Taylor, you almost died last week <laughs> when you left oh, the yeah. show. Okay, now what? Please tell your story. Uh, what? So, just tell what happened, and then we'll get into the specifics. So of it. I'm, I'm driving home from I'm driving home from doing the show, and I get to uh, Route 23, which is I'm maybe about 15 minutes from from my apartment. Yeah, and I feel myself start to go. Now, what I mean by that is I feel myself starting ready to pass out. Yeah, and I'm at the wheel. You know, it's 10 o'clock at night, and it's like, dude, there's something seriously wrong. So I pull over, and I, like, was able to collect my thoughts, stop at a 7-Eleven, get something to eat. And I I immediately texted. I don't know why my first my first like reaction was to text you guys and tell you about it instead of going to get actually, like, help. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's terrible. I know. And, like, I, I, had, I had a wise-ass comment first. I was like, do you need help? Like, where are you? Like, do you need me to come get you? There, there was a split second where I thought he was ser- where I thought you were serious, and I'm like, oh, he's fucking with me. No, I was I was going to come. If you were, like, stuck and, like, I can't drive, I would have come and got you and, you know, laughed and then driven away. Facts. <laughs> but, no, so... Uh, Put out your cigarette with my windshield wiper. As I tried to explain last week before I was rudely interrupted at every turn from asshole Jerry and you, uh, I've been on this diet and I've been really sticking to it. That particular day... You fucked up. Well, it's not even I fucked up. I mean, it happens happens a decent amount, but then I know to rectify it. That day, it just happened to fuck up. Um, I didn't... I usually don't have breakfast or I have a cup of coffee or like an egg or something like that. And then I'd usually skip lunch. And... I, that particular day, I've had nothing in my system outside of water, and so I think that was a big factor. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. That was my, my blood sugar. You was just low. made me think of in um, in dirty work when they're like, we got to get jobs to save pops, and they go to the construction job, and um, Norm's like, ah, well, here's the thing, we don't know anything about construction. And the guy looks at him, Hardy goes, when is lunch? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, yeah, you definitely, like, while you're dieting, you're already cutting your calories. The last thing you need to be doing is a 24-hour fast. Even if it's unintentional, you don't need that because you're put, you'll put your body into complete fucking shock and your blood sugar just fucking dropped. You even, like, were kind of freaking out text, like, is this a diabetic thing? Like, motherfucker, you ain't diabetic. You just have low blood sugar. You need a Gatorade, so, a Pedialyte or something. So I was on 23 right by the Burger King and the 7-Eleven that were the gas, that's the gas station. I would have gotten so under your rings. No, I, so I didn't go to Burger King. So I, I went in and I, I got a... <laughs> yeah, true. No, so I just got like um, 7-Eleven. They had like a pre-made sandwich. Yeah, yeah, that's the like right thing to do. Get like, some carbs. They in also system. have Dunkaroos. They do have Dunkaroos. He makes a good point. To who? To everyone. everyone? Yeah, exactly. Okay, good. Have I, you had Dunkaroos since they came back? No. Do you, you want to? Up. Have no, you? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no. I know. Always, again, I'm just again. I'm being serious. Is yeah. because I'm very. I'm very... The first time in a while, I've been very disappointed about this. Okay, well, I actually wanted to challenge you on that because you had a tweet storm this week. I won't even call it a storm. Tweets this weekend about your Postmates order getting fucked up. And I was like, did this cocksucker order something he shouldn't be eating from Postmates? No, so I, I got a I got a gyro platter, so it was beef fine, and lamb fine. with lettuce and tomato. Okay. But then the motherfuckers never went and picked it up. <laughs> and you paid for it. Yeah, so... And then I emailed Postmates, and I'm like, yo, what the fuck? And they're like, what no. It? And they're like, no, it's okay. You know, we're, we're going we're gonna to charge you a cancellation fee and the order. I go, how's helping how is it a cancellation fee helping me so naturally with these things the only way to get through to these to get through to these companies you have to shame them on twitter yeah correct so i shamed them on twitter i'm great at that I, yeah you are <laughs> I remember there was one time we got in an argument about what's better, Chipotle or Moe's. Yeah. And I openly defended Moe's, and then Moe's sent me a $25. Yeah, card, exactly. Which was great. Um, but uh, so, yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, we refunded it. So I'm like, cool. Uh, well, I didn't even tell you what my order is. I didn't tell you any any details. So how yeah. do you know? Like, what's my account? What's any of this? They go, they just said, oh, yeah, we refunded it. I go, how? that's not possible. I didn't tell you anything about it. So I, I give them all the details. They're like, okay, okay, we'll refund it. So that was this morning. So I'm assuming it takes... It could take six it business could, days. It could take maybe. twenty-four to seventy-two hours. It depends on the company. It depends on the banks and the company sometimes. But um, yeah, I, I told you guys about how I was supposed to be in Colorado this past week. I was supposed to leave on Friday, so I was supposed to be there right now. Um, so we canceled our, our trip just because of Smart. every everything going on. Um, it was the right thing to do because it wasn't even about. A, I'm not worried about getting anything. I'm relatively healthy. I'm in relatively decent shape. I don't have any underlying conditions. My only thing is I'm a smoker. But um, it was a matter of you know. The landlord's parents, uh, other people we're seeing. We have, a bunch, we have a bunch of pregnant friends. Um, so uh, United was our flight out. They canceled our flight and gave us a credit, full credit for what we paid, no problem. Our flight back was Frontier, who I've had, I've heard relatively. I never heard any horror stories about them, like you do with Spirit. Right. And generally with airlines, if you don't hear anything bad, that means they're fine. Or American so, Airlines, dude. So they tell us that they're. Um, I. I you know, they tell us we can't do anything about it on their website. Even though their website says you have up to a week before to cancel your policy, or you have up to 72 hours before to cancel your flight, no problem. So I call them up, and they're like, all right, we'll give you a credit minus, uh, you know, a $79.99 each uh, cancellation fee. So uh, we'll, we'll credit you for $34. And I'm like, am, the fuck are you going to do with $34 I to them, I'm like, I, I said to them, I'm like, am I flying to Camden with $34? Like, and the first woman, like, I could tell she was reading off a script, and I wasn't trying to be an asshole. I'm like, ma'am, listen, like, I understand you're reading things and you have to say certain things, but I'd like to speak to a superior just because there's got to be some way you can do this. You know, half the country is unemployed. I didn't say half, but you know, 30% of the country is on unemployment right now. I'm not working. You know, how can you tell people that you're only going to give them this back and expect them to actually want to fly with you? So I would like to speak with someone. She starts reading from a script again. I reply and she starts talking over me, reading from a script. And I'm like, ma'am, just please put me on with the supervisor. And bitch hangs up on me. Oh, so I'm word. like, oh, okay, let's go. So I call back. I get another woman and I'm explaining it 
to her, yada, yada. She actually puts me on hold first. She comes back and she says the same thing, you know, $34. I'm like, listen, that's really not going to work for me. There's got to be something you can do. Every other airline's doing this. How can you not want to keep up and keep customers happy and actually want to use you? So I'm not taking it out on you, but can you please put me on with the supervisor? She's like, yeah, no problem. Puts me on with the supervisor. She gets on the line within two minutes and is like, all right, we're going to give you the full credit. See, but like how hard is that for the first lady Yeah, exactly. So I told the woman, uh, she's like, was there anything else I can help you with? I complained about the first lady, but the important thing is, and this goes for everyone out there, if you got good service from customer service reps, from retail employees, tell a supervisor if you come in contact with them because they're only going to get shit when they give bad service or uh, uh, opinionated bad service. They're never going to get credit when they do the right thing. And all this woman had to do was just put me on the line. So I got my full credit. We actually booked our trip out again for um, Denver in November uh, with our credit. So we're hoping to go in November. Hopefully by then, you know, there's not this forced mandated, not forced, but this recommended quarantine that I would feel obligated to do with the people we see. It wouldn't be the right thing to do to just not tell people and, you know, people be uncomfortable around us and not... That's the big thing, I think, with COVID-19 is that if you ever came in, if you got it, I feel like if you got it from someone that had it and they didn't tell you, you would be really pissed off at them. And yeah, the like pe- I got pissed off at Quaz? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when he, yeah, exactly. Fake pissed off at Quaz. Yeah, it's like one of these things, like you didn't tell people. There's a whole bunch of a blame game. Like you're telling people they're not being, I've heard, I've had, I know a ton of people that maybe weren't being as responsible when everything was really heated up around here as they should have been. We were very responsible with it. Yeah, facts. Besides work and things like that, we did, uh, what, seven episodes in, in remotely? Yeah. Um, we were very responsible Skype, with it. Yeah. But we had a lot of, I knew a lot of people that weren't, and then they got shit from friends of theirs that had kids and had, you know, older parents. Like, how, like, what are you doing? Like, is it really that important to go out and, I mean, here's, speaking of irresponsible, do you see these fucking losers, the chain smokers, what they did in the Hamptons this weekend? I was wondering why they were, were trending. They had a fucking concert in the Hamptons with like 5,000 people there, none wearing masks, no, all on top of each other. And I do agree there is a point of personal responsibility. But are those people being personally responsible at all? And after the, if they're not being personally responsible there, are they going to be after the fact? No. And this goes to what I said. Who, you're risking other people's well, lives for the fucking chain smokers? So, so this is what... The chain smokers are fun. But that's... I'm not doubting that. But so this goes exactly to what I was saying to you yesterday, is that people are just tired. Yeah. Just fucking tired of these douchebags, uh, our elected officials, telling us what we can and cannot sure. do. You know what I mean? But I... I so, to, to argue... Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No. So again, it's just... It's a very... Like going to the chain smokers show or if Starling was open back up and have a full capacity crowd it's very short-sighted and it's very it's it's a very bad idea but i understand what i understand the frustration and i totally understand but in this particular situation you have to just listen you have to just deal with it if other people are dealing with it you could certainly yeah well that that's that's my my point now here's the thing if you tell someone you can go to this concert but you are forced to quarantine for 14 days how many people are actually going to go like and they're they're actually going to like say like you're no you're forced and that's what they're going to end up fucking coming down to and as much as I, I agree with you that you know the people are tired of it our lockdown in New Jersey has proven to fucking work the cases yeah, have gone down uh, I don't like Murphy much but he has handled it in that regard saying like guys listen like I'm sorry but our cases have gone down we were the only state to not have an cr- increase in uh, cases for like three straight days since this all started so he did some things right in that regard and he probably and now you look at all these other states that didn't take it seriously California and then, shut back ca- down California Texas, Florida, Florida, South Carolina. It's like, why did everyone have to make it? uh, it, They needed someone to blame. That's all it was. I have a buddy of mine who's, who's, who's trying to go see a friend of his in Florida. Sure. And like, and like within the next month and a half. Okay. 
And he's like, well, if I go to Florida and I come back, it might, is my work going to make me quarantine for 14 days? I go, more than likely, Yeah, yes. they're, they're probably going to tell you to. And, and he's like, well, what if I don't have the vacation time? Then you don't get paid, dog. Yeah, like. It's simple as that. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I go, no, it, it's simple as that. Listen, there's no, there's, there's no getting cute with it. There's no loopholes. This is what it is. Why, why do people think they know how all this works when this has never happened in modern times? Like, it, this is completely uncharted territory with a virus that is not natural, clearly. It's to some extent natural, but it's a manipulated virus based on all the different levels of symptoms. And all the other things we don't know about it. I told you about the guy in the Red Sox, Eduardo Nunez. Or Eduardo Nunez. Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, young guy. High-level athlete. He had coronavirus. He comes back, and now he's got a fucking heart condition. Um, a kid that we know, Josh, who we're good friends with, Kurt Fierstack. His brother-in-law, um, or his sister-in-law, rather, a nurse, got coronavirus, right? Not really bad. She was okay. She had minor symptoms, felt like shit, low-grade fever. She, she's feeling better for a couple weeks, and then a couple weeks later, she's like, my legs are really weak. They're getting numb. She had fucking blood clots in her legs. It's the, the, we, there's so many things we still don't know. I mean, there's been people that have neurological issues, like dementia at age 34 from it. It just affects people in so many different ways, well, which is why it leads me to believe that it is a man Yeah, virus. it's well, it's a, it's a naturally occurring virus that was ma manipulated in a lab. That's what I'm saying. And it leaked yes. out in the lab. That is very clear to me. Well, and that was the big thing that's like the like the common cold. Like, there's so many different strains yeah. of coronavirus that we've Correct. already accustomed to, I Yeah, guess. SARS. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, H1N1. That's and that's why it's going to be so hard to, for a natural defense to be, and a, a natural vaccine, or a, a, a effective vaccine to be developed against this. But, thankfully, everyone that's sharing that video, that fucking black nurse talking about how she she uh, treated 350 people um, with, with the hydroxychloroquine or whatever, and no one died but also said that the vaccine is being made with alien blood um, and it's also being used to make sure that you don't become religious. So that's the people that are... Um, and Bill Gates is trying to kill you. Um, <laughs> Bill Gates trying to make me money. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get into the fun stuff. I'm going to go first since I have two albums. Okay. Um, which album am I doing first, boys? Uh, why don't you do his album okay. first? Because so, I think we all agree. Okay, so Childish Gambino's Because the Internet came out 2013. Um, you gave me a Childish Gambino album previously. I forgot which one, but I really like that. No, I gave Vince... Camp. Yeah, but I know there was one you gave me at one point, too. Yeah, you gave me one at one point. I forgot which one, or maybe I listened to that one. I really like that. Wasn't familiar with this album. Uh, really fucking love this album. Uh, it, it's He's one of the best rappers alive. Like, what can you say? Like, his his flow is great. He can spit. His lyrics are great. The beats are fucking great. Um, uh, the, the blend of R&B to rap is really cool at times when he sings. So starting right off, um, there's a lot of interludes and intros on these, so I don't give those scores usually. Um, so the opening one's an intro. Uh, the, the titles of the tracks are weird because it's like One Crawl is the first song. That's a four. Great song. Uh, the second song is Two World Star. Fucking banger. That's a five. Great fucking song. Dial-ups and interlude. The Worst Guys is a four. Great song. Uh, nothing got lower than a two, and I think I only had one two on here. Yeah, and that was... Sh I didn't love Shadows. Shadows didn't bang for me, but the next song, Telegraph Ave, fucking rules. Love it. My favorite song on the album, Sweatpants is a five. I love the reference to Jeff Goldblum in The Fly. Anytime you could reference one of the great sci-fi horror films of all time in there, and it makes sense, I'm fucking in. Great. 3005, uh, The Landlord 
told me that was a single because she knew the song. A huge song. Uh, I never heard it till now. Huge. Um, great song. Uh, that's a four. Um, and we can potty every it, week or so. F- fucking great. It's great, dude. Um, the other one's an interlude. It's uh, playing around before the party. Uh, that one is, uh, it, that you know, it's an interlude, so I'm not going to say anything about that. The party is only, it's kind of an interlude. It's one minute long, but it's a great beat, so that's a really good one. Um, no Exit was a three. Didn't love that, but it was good. It was good. When I say I don't love it, it was still a good song. Death by Numbers is an interlude. Flight of the Navigators is a three. Uh, Zealots of so- Stockholm is a four. Great song. Earn is an interlude, but it's a great interlude. It, it fucking, it just, it, the whole album, it's almost an hour long, and it doesn't feel like that whatsoever. So that's a four. Pink Toes, another great song. And the final two songs are up there with my with um, Sweatpants for my favorite song. Earth, Earth, the oldest computer is a five. And Life, the biggest troll, which is a great song title, is a five. Uh, you know, if you, uh, I'll say this to someone that didn't really listen to Childish Gambino. If you don't, or if you haven't, you should. It's fucking great. Uh, I, I don't think it can be argued at this point that he's one of the best rappers alive. Uh, best rappers in the last 15 years, at oh, the bare minimum. He's, he's had one of the biggest songs like, in history with just This Is America. Yeah, biggest songs and videos. Me that that fucking video is only is already two years old. Yeah, it's wild. And he, and he dropped the video when he performed it live at SNL and debuted it. Yeah. Um, just he's, he's an amazing talent. It's just all around from his, his rapping to his comedy to his acting. Uh, what can you say about him? It, it's an awesome album. He's an, was he, he's an Emmy Award winning TV writer. Yeah. He's done stand He's a Grammy Award winner. He was Lando. Yeah. He, like what, what doesn't this guy fucking do? And yeah. he was Troy Barnes in Community before yeah. it was anything else. He, he's uh, and, he, and he made sure to shit talk Chevy Chase which I always appreciate. Whoa, um, Chevy Chase is just yeah, known a, dickhead. Yeah, dickhead. Um, but a great album. Josh, what song on here is your favorite? Um... I like World Star, dude. World Star is fucking great, dude. When I, I was outside working and I liked Crawl, and then World Star comes on, and I'm sitting there, I'm like watering the grass. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Landlord's great. watching me outside. She's like, you're like bopping and weaving as you water. I'm like, I know it's so uneven. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Sweatpants, dude. Sweatpants fucking is fucking great, dude. Uh, but just a really good no, album. I, I also just really like Sweatpants. Uh, I love wearing sweatpants. <laughs> Not this time of year. Well, no. Yeah, unless you have the AC blasted to 64, which is what you want to do. Every day. <laughs> Every day. That's why my fucking energy bill is like 100 bucks a month. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, all right, now Taylor, you gave me the album by Tyler the Creator, Flower Boy. <laughs> all right, so I went into this not ever hearing a single Tyler the Creator song. I knew nothing about him. Um, it, it's a really interesting album. Uh, yeah. the, the sound on it is particularly unique. Uh, I actually like the album. It's pretty good. It, That's it's a surprise. It, it, it's uh, I. You know what? The first time I heard it, I I knew I didn't dislike it, but I didn't know if I liked it. Which almost always I'll lean towards liking it because it means it's different. It's making me think, and I'm feeling something. Uh, his flow is unique. Uh, his delivery is unique, but lyrically he's really good. The beats are awesome from start to finish. They're really cool sounding. There's really cool samples throughout the album. Uh, overall, I was surprised at how much I like this. Oh, by the way, uh, Flower Boy gets a five. Even though I didn't have all fives, that's a five-star album because it, even the songs it's a two, it doesn't drag. That's a five. Um, so forward, the first song on the album by Tyler. He means because the internet. So because the internet, because the internet, yeah, because I'm sorry, because the internet was a five. Um, so Tyler the Creator's Flower Boy, the first song forward is a four. Where this flower blooms is a three. Then sometimes is an interlude. See you again's a four. Who that boy is a four. Yep. Pothole is awesome. Who that boy is it's a fucking who, man. who that boy. Who, who, who that, him he is. Yeah. Who that boy is a four. It. I loved it. Pothole, I fucking love. That's a five. Okay. Uh, Garden sheds a three. Boredom is a three. My favorite song on the album. My two favorite songs. This one is I ain't got time. Fucking 
awesome beat. The chorus on it is great. Everything about that song is great. The structure of it, that's a five. 9-11 Mr. Lonely is a four, or 9-1-1 Mr. Lonely uh, is a four. Dropping Seeds is a three. November is my other favorite song on here. I love November. That's a five. The only song that got less than a three was Glitter. I didn't really like, that's the only one that didn't click for me. Uh, and the last song, Enjoy Right Now Today, was a four. Uh, you know, for a, an album I knew nothing about. Didn't know anything about the artist, really, just that he dresses weird. Um, I, I was so impressed that it was such a, an easy album to listen to, especially because it isn't my usual style of hip-hop. But I appreciated the fact that it didn't sound like most hip-hop, and it didn't sound like these SoundCloud losers. It didn't sound like that at all. This is a guy that has a, a flair when he raps Tal and his beat creator is now. A, does is he fucking does he make all his own beats too? Is he like I'm? I'm not too familiar with that. I'm assuming he's involved in the process, like the structure of the songs. I would. I would too. I mean, I know he was big when he was in Odd Future. He was like okay. the main driving force behind Odd Future. Okay, or like Earl Sweatshirt and Frank Ocean were like two. Like Batman gotcha, gotcha. Rock, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, so I'm gonna give Tyler the Creator's Flower Boy a four and a half out of five. Um, again, I really, really enjoyed it. I'm just watching. I think the Grom just gave up a double. Okay. Okay. Fuck whatever. you, cocksucker. Who was it to? Um, some fucking asshole. Oh, cool. I don't know who it was. Uh, ta, ta, uh, whatever. But whatever. Okay. So, uh, no, no, he wouldn't be batting second. So, four and a half out of five for Tyler the Creator's Flower Boy, and a five out of five for um, Childish Gambino is because of the internet. Cool. You mean you had a good week? I did, man. I really enjoyed both these. These are really good albums to listen to while I was outside in fucking hundred degree weather, working on the fucking lawn. It was hot this week. It was fucking brutal. How's my dog being? She's asleep. She's over there somewhere. She, no, she's right there. Is she? Yeah, look, look right to your left. Oh, dude. She's fucking passed out. All right, word. All right. Taylor uh, so and Josh watched it as well. So you gave me Relic starring whoever. Emily Mortimer. Em Emily Mortimer and I really don't know anybody else in this movie. No. Um, I I don't know how you like this movie that much, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't see it. That's just me. Um, it's... It's boring, to be honest with you. Like it's it's hard to get through. I never thought a ninety minute movie would be would drag as much as it did. I understand what it was trying to do, and, sure. I, and I get the themes that it was going for, and it did accomplish what it set out to do very very well, you know. But it's just something when I was watching it, I didn't really like. I I couldn't connect with it. I couldn't really figure out what was going on. Really, other, other than other than the grandmother had definitely was like losing her mind a little bit, and she was going senile. Well, no, that's the, not the, what the, the black spot was weird which i i guess i just i didn't really understand everything okay. i don't really i don't get the appeal of this and maybe it's because i have i don't have a great eye for horror sure. unless it's that's possible unless it's extraordinary like hereditary like sure. midsummer sure. you know what i'm saying but i i like uh, like an, another I don't say cookie cutter but another like horror film that like a lot of other people do like because it is good uh, like you yeah, this, this is like, like a, this is like a ninety-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. If you compare this to say like Sinister with Ethan, Hawke, I fucking hate Sinister. You know, see, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I, I, I I like Sinister better than this. See, and I had this conversation with the landlord about why this might have a disconnect with audiences. Sinister is what I would call um, big box office horror. No, there's, I, there's I no, agree. there's I no. It's a well done for what it is. There's no substance to it. There's no underlying thing. This one has a deep underlying meaning to it. It uses horror as a vehicle to convey a very familiar fami fam family story, while Sinister is just it. It's 
it's a horror movie. You can't make a sequel to Relic. You made fucking two sen- sequels to Sinister and probably another one. And it's like, and I, and I don't have anything against those f- franchises. The first big budget horror movie of all time is one of the greatest in Poltergeist. The Conjuring movies I like. And they're very basic, jump scare, very basic. Sure. This one, to me, the terror in the story wasn't the, the horror elements. It was, you know, so the fungus, basically, let me, let me explain. So it's called Relic, and the thing that, it, it's a demonic entity, right? It's a demonic entity, and it was actually, they talked about how the great-grandfather or great-uncle lived in uh, that cabin, and they brought the windows over. Something about that was some type of possessed thing. It was something that was demonic. Came over, and it affected the grandmother. But what it really was was just conveying the story of dementia and Alzheimer's is a different thing. Well, so th- that I that I picked that, up on. That I fungus was her, ta- that fungus that was on her was her taking over when she the daughter is going gets gets lost in the house and it's like a labyrinth. It's the maze of memories and there's all the little post-its there. It's the maze of get memories. Out, can't get yeah, out. Right. It's the maze of memories that a person with dementia or even Parkinson's is stuck in that they have no way to get out of pretty much. And then in that final shot which I thought was one of the most beautiful scenes I've seen in the horror in a long time where they decide to stay with her. It's the classic a case of many parents and grandparents that have dementia and Alzheimer's are abandoned by their family, and she, the mother, the daughter decides to stay with her mother and the daughter of the. the I will say that was a different twist I didn't see coming. Where, where she shuts the door on her on her daughter. Yeah, and then when then they're all laying there together, and then the the youngest one sees the the black spot on of mold back. on her, which again shows that things like Alzheimer's and dementia are passed down genetically. It's hereditary. Um, it, yeah, it's her, it, not to you know to right, play that pun. Right. Um, so I didn't find it really slow. For 89 minutes to kind of cruise by. I did find I do think it was a slow burn to get to what it was trying to do, but the the artistic take on it specifically, I love the way it was filmed because it was such an intimate setting. I laughed my ass off when the grandmother called the the kid with Down syndrome the retarded boy. I did because <laughs> it was one of those things that everyone that's had an old person in their life says one of those words that you can't really say well, anymore. Yeah, right. It's 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 an it's an old person syndrome. Um, I it, I actually the last scene made me really emotional. Maybe it's because I have a grandmother with Alzheimer's sure. and. And there was something there that really connected with me because I didn't need full-on explanations. Like some people I know, they said they want the explanation of why the things were possessed or whatever. And for me, the the entire story was about as you see someone in your family that has dementia, Alzheimer's, or even just aging, and there's nothing you could do about it. And the the demon that, that you know that she they wither her away at the end, and there's this black entity under her, this demon of sorts. That's really what was um you know took over her. Just like how when someone has Alzheimer's or dementia they become someone that you didn't recognize. Sure. So before you give your grade, Josh, let's get your thoughts on this. Now, Taylor didn't like it, but yep. my general thoughts on it, and I said maybe it connected with me from having a, a grandparent with Alzheimer's. Sure. There was something there that connected with me deeply. So go for it. Um, okay, so the first thing that I'm going to say is that the, the the first 50 minutes of this movie dragged. I, okay. I had a hard time paying attention to it. Uh, it was just very slow. Um, that, but was, that was my big thing, too. It was when, hard to, like... When the granddaughter went into the closet... The labyrinth. It becomes like a labyrinth. Yeah. yeah. That's where the movie really picked up for me. The last... It, if I were to grade the movie, um, I would grade it like two different movies. Sure, sure. I could of, see the that. The first part of the movie just didn't click for me. Uh, I didn't find it very interesting. Uh, but once she gets into the labyrinth and things start to pick up and yeah. start to get really weird, yeah. really creepy, then you know that's where I can kind of catch some similar vibes to like uh, Hereditary. Sure, and sure, like sure, that. sure. Uh, and, and I was really digging it. I really, really dug the last part of the movie. Um, 
I wouldn't say that it's one of the best horror movies of the year like you did, you know, but I, I don't know I what get I, where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, what, that's from an artistic standpoint, I, that's where it is for me. I think yeah. that's what we're both saying is that we don't disagree that I, I think it's a good movie. It's just not something I would go you know what I'm saying? Now, like, you know, like I, I don't know. I just because I do agree with you because the first half is a completely different movie than the second half. I do yeah, agree. it's a it's a build up. The, it's like a slow like what the fuck's happening the kind way, of thing. The way it ended makes a lot of sense and I do like the way it ended. I thought the ending just, was beautiful. Like not just, abandoning the person in your family that has dementia, Alzheimer's or anything well, like accepting I said, it. Well that's what I said before. I like the twist when instead of, you know, everyone running out the house like a normal thing is like, yeah, like a classic there, haunted house movie. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. You know, she shuts the door on her daughter. Um but if I had to give an honest grading, just because, I, again, and like I said before, I don't really have a great eye except for spectacular horror sure, like classics sure. and shit like that. Um, it gets maybe a three. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a three, four. Okay. I'll Josh? Three, four. Uh, I give it like a four, eight. It's not quite a five. Okay. Uh, but it's not something that I'd say that I'm... You know, like I wish I never watched it. Okay, fair. That's fair. Well, that's the same thing with me. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not shitting on it to shit on. I, it. That's understandable. Know? I had a feeling there was a chance you may not because I, the, I watching it, I can see why there's a disconnect. Like the the critic score is like a 97, the audience score is like a 58, but Hereditary's audience score, the critic score in Hereditary is like 92, and the audience score is like 60. Yeah, it's it's one of these things. People right. don't like artistic artistic horror is very very hit or miss. And Midsummer's is even more dramatic. Well, and that's my big thing too is that I mean like. Obviously, you being a massive fan of horror, sure. so you could sit down and watch, you know, movies like this, and you could pick things out and see. Yeah, things. there's so little. I understand. Yeah, that, sure. You know what I mean, I, I, like, I was saying, I did think the ending was was beautiful, though. The ending really well, resonated with me on like a personal level. Just well, and that's the same with me. Like, like I can hear certain things yeah, in sure. music that other normal people. For, sure, can. sure. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So. All right, so I'm going to give you your pick now for this week. Now, okay. this is uh, also comes with a. It, it's a very minor announcement. Um, we're going to have a guest next week. Uh, he's been a guest of the show plenty of times. He was the first guest on the show when Ralph was the co-host. Um, so Grohau's coming in next week. Again? Yes, he's coming in because the movie that I'm giving you is one that he suggested to me. I'm not gonna, uh, let's call it a film, okay? No, it, just it, call it a movie. No, this is a foreign film, okay? Ugh. He suggested this to me. You're going to need his uh, Criterion account uh, to get into there. Um, it, it's maybe the greatest war film I've ever seen in my life. Um, it, it might be, it, most people would call it an anti-war film. Is it Letters that, of Iwo Jima? No. <laughs> that is a good movie. <laughs> so this movie was made in 1984, I believe. It was actually banned by the Soviet Union for eight years. It was made in Russia. That's how you know it was good. It was banned by the Soviet Union. Um, it's called Come and See. Now, Justin saw this movie after here. I've heard of, I heard of the movie for years, but after Justin told me I had to watch it, um, I made sure to watch it the next day. Uh, I was floored by it. Specifically, the third act of this film is one of the most breathtakingly d spectacular, upsetting, disturbing, and just unbelievable things I've ever seen in the movie. The third act is just, it, it had me just literally glued to my seat. I couldn't look away, and at the same time, I wanted to. Is it in Russian? Uh, yes, it is in Russian, so subtitles are required. Um, but the, the premise of the movie is pretty basic. Uh, this kid that lives in Belarus, uh, he's, a, he's a partisan. He gets drafted into the war to fight the Nazis, pretty much. Okay. Gets kidnapped by him, um, and it becomes, a, it's almost like a coming-of-age kind of story to an extent, about the horrors of war and how it changes people. And 
And, um, you know, it's literally Russians fighting Nazi Germany. Um, but it's kind of watching this kid grow up and see all these things, these, see things happening to his friends, his family. Uh, but the, the real, the kicker of this movie is the third act that makes Schindler's List look like Mary Poppins. So here's my question. Because it sure. does take, so it takes place in, the, in uh, World War II. Yes. So in the 40s. Yes. Um, is there is there any, like, uh, like spe- spectacular battles or is there anything, like, historical reference? To, it's like- incredibly historically accurate. Okay, that's what I mean. It's it's loosely based on real things that happen. The kid that is is a st- I believe actually the kid that it's about is I believe the entire thing is a true story. Okay. Um, this movie took years to make. They actually people died while filming it because it was such a a, uh, a hard film to make. Okay. But it it. It might, it's probably next to Saving Private Ryan the best World War II movie I've ever seen. I, I I can't stress enough just how I couldn't get it off my mind the things that happened in it and the again the third act like when it, you'll know when the third act picks up because it's it's kind of when shit starts going down and it, again it, it's it makes Schindler's List look like it's a PG movie. Okay. It's it it, it I'll be shocked if you don't like this because it, it it left me profoundly moved the movie. Okay. Um and Justin literally said was watching he goes this might be my favorite movie I've ever seen so I figured I didn't want to give that to you without him being in here to talk about it the next week okay um, I'm gonna watch it again because I've only seen it this one time because it was one of these ones I watched and I was like I, I I'm gonna need some time before I watch this again because it, it left an impact on me All right. um, but it's it was funny when it came out again it was banned by the Soviet Union for eight years um, but when it came out it did well critically didn't make a lot of money but now it's looked back as one of the greatest films of all time um, so I'm going to be interested to see what you have to say about that. And I'm excited to have Justin in here next week to talk about it. All right, cool. Cool. So for my pick this week, I think that was mine. Yeah. Um, so for my pick this week, it's actually, I told Josh about it. And I, <laughs> look at his reaction. Bases so, loaded, one out, Taylor. Yes? Yeah, bases loaded, one out for the match. Who's this coming up? Um, it is, uh, hold on, let me see. Uh, it's Cano batting, right? Oh, no, it's actually Dom Smith. Sorry. I was say if it's uh, and it just cut out. I'll say, because if, if it's Cano, then just, you know. Just no, he was great yesterday. What are you, four for four with a walk? I know. Yeah, yeah all right. That's not going to happen today. Probably not. But, uh, so my pick this week is from a band that, and his the front man has been widely d- despised on the show. Yeah, very regarded. Okay. <laughs> is it Bush? <laughs> is, if it's Bush, I'll be so mad. It's not Bush. Okay. Bush is garbage. You're still going to be mad. Okay. But I need you to go in with open ears. Okay. And I need you to understand what they're trying to do. Okay. Make me kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also a war theme. Okay. Very good. The band is 30 Seconds to Mars. Uh, is it the old stuff? Because I don't hate their old shit. It's from 2010. Okay. The album is called This Is War. What was the single on this one? Probably Kings and Queens. Yeah. I did not like that song. Uh, which is fucking ridiculous. But uh, what's the name of the album again? Uh, this is war. I put thirty seconds to war. <laughs> thirty seconds to war. Yeah. Thirty seconds to Mars. This is war. Um, the fucking the song I want to highlight on this is not Kings and Queens. It's not uh, closer to the edge, which are the two main singles. Okay. Is the song Vox Popul? Uh, no, Vox Populi. Vox Populi. Okay. It is one of the. It's like it's a it's a it's a fucking. It's a it's a calling to everyone out there, you know, like to rise up. Like it's it, it's a concept record, really at its okay. core. Um, and I told Josh about this because I know he loves Angels and Airwaves. He loves the pageantry, and he loves you know the spectacle sure. that they bring to their shows and to their music. And this album really is. 
I right on par with like I Empire and We Don't Need the Whisper in my opinion. I'll tell you, you know? I did not hate um the you know the shit that their early stuff with the kill on it. I I like that album. Well, that was a good album. So so that's a beautiful lie. That's the record just before. That's a this. good album. That was in 2005. This is five years later because I think he went to go do a movie or something. Um, but I probably this is such an underrated meditate in the desert. Yeah, it comes back coronavirus. That was one of my. He's favorites. such a He's fucking like, douchebag. Coronavirus was a thing. Um, but it's I, like I, that episode of Black Mirror where Topher Grace is the the Facebook guy. And yep. He's in that fucking glass cube in the desert, and it's like, wait, what's going on? Why yeah. Is, why does everyone like to talk during my fucking? Sorry, show? I'm, I wasn't but, me this but time. You're just fucking. You're just. What do you keep doing to your mic? Time. Nothing. I just moved it. I didn't touch it. You broke it again. I didn't do anything. Yes, you did. That didn't work. <laughs> yeah, good. All right, hold on. Let me do something real quick. Yeah. So the album. Oh, it's not this week. It's nope, that made it worse. Everything's fine. Josh, is it you? Oh, no, that's definitely you. No, because it, it, it kept doing it when I unplugged it. Nope, it's still doing it. There's a ground. One, two, one, two. But anyway, so this is such an underrated record that a lot of Whatever. people really... Whatever. Deal see, with it. Even, even this fucking shit. I can't help it. Um... Yeah, just 30 seconds of Mars. This is war. See, now, okay. now, now I'm at the run. Now you're, now you're, technology. yeah, now you screwed yourself up. Whatever. Um, that's cool. Uh, listen, I, Jared Leto may be a douchebag. I did not hate 30 seconds to Mars. He's, I, listen, I know a lot of people give him shit and rightfully so for his pretentiousness, but uh, whatever you just did, yeah. do that. Okay. Um, but he really is a fan. Like, when you say, like, at their core, what an artist is. He's very, is. very talented. I can't deny that. A very good actor outside of Suicide Squad. <sighs> He's a very, very, very talented musician. He is just very pretentious, and that's what. Puts yeah, he's a fucking off on snob. So I, I mean, that. he's in a lot of movies I like, and he's great in a lot of those fucking movies. You know, how, you know how much my brain exploded when I found out he was in Fight Club. I did not. Wait, know what do you that? mean you found out he was in Fight Club? When you watched American Psycho, you're like, holy shit, it's fucking Jared Leto. I need, I didn't see American Psycho till much. Later. I know, I know that. And you, I'm saying like when I was like 15, 16, like when like I'm like, yo, the guy who did the kill and fucking is in Fight Club and Meatloaf's in it too. Right, I know. Bitch tits. Bitch tits. <laughs> his name was Robert Paulson. His his name was Paul R. Nelson. <laughs> Paul R. Nelson. Paul R. Nelson. Paul R. Ne but uh, yeah, so my pick this week is Thirty Seconds to Mars to Kill. Cool. Yeah. Go into it with just open ears and understand I, I, listen, what they're doing. I absolutely am. That's my only thing. I have some 30 Seconds to Mars in my playlist. I don't hate them. I, I can hate a front man and still like the band. Um, I could like a front man and not like his solo stuff, which brings me to my next subject. Um, uh, I'm the biggest Slipknot fan alive. I heard Corey Taylor's two singles off his solo album. They're fucking ass. I don't think it's ass. It's just The one isn't me. bad, but the one with Tech 9 is fucking awful. I love Tech 9. I, that, the song with Tech 9 is fucking straight trash. I also give Corey a lot of credit for going at, for going oh, at it with the fucking respect. The best un, like, and best independent artist of his time. Yeah, no, I, I'm not doubting that. I didn't... Okay, so the first song on that, on whatever the solo track is called, Black and Blue, I think is the name of the song. Mm -hmm. It isn't bad. I just, I'm like, ah, he, he can be better than this, I feel like. It almost kind of seems like it's self-indulgent that he's doing this, especially the Tech 9 song. I think the album's called uh, CMFT, like Corey motherfucking Taylor. It's kind of what I think, it, I think that's what it is. That's a little, and I, I love him, but uh, it's a little self-indulgent for me. See, but here's, the, here's why I don't care, because it's like, Again, he's gonna do what he wants to do anyway. It's one nothing. Cespedes is striking out at everything. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, it's just 
you know, Corey has the the freedom, and I I like when artists want to go outside. I, I agree with realm that. Of possibility, their comfort to see what level. They could do. Yeah, you know, obviously you you swing and a miss. Sometimes you. Yeah, listen, I I mean, I love some. I think Stone Sour is incredibly underrated. I they agree. don't they don't have a bad album. They don't. Um, and the, their sound has kind of changed through the years. They're more of just a hard rock band. They have one of the most timeless classics in Through Glass. Through Glass, dude, bother. Even though that was technically a solo song that was on the Spider Man One soundtrack, as weird it's as that is. Excellent. Yeah, I know. There's actually. I don't like Nickelback, but I like the song with Chad Kroger and the guy from Saliva, Hero, that was on the Spider-Man soundtrack. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. a really good song. Um, I'm still going to listen to Corey's uh, shit. Who could save us? us. Yeah. Not going to stand here away. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's do our favorite segment of the week. Uh, what did you watch this week, Taylor? Uh, what did I watch this week? I watched... Watch any porn? No, I watched a lot of baseball. I watch a lot of porn. No, I watched a lot of baseball this week. Well, which I, we're we're going to talk about baseball. No, I'm, I'm talking just, when we do what you watched. Sickmore in the realm of movies and television. Oh, good. He changed the criteria. Admit of it. Good. Awesome. Great. Get my fucking lighter back, dude. Uh, no, I honestly really didn't watch. Actually, no, I started watching The Sopranos again. Very nice. Um, because you never finished Deadwood. Yeah, no, because like sometimes I, I go okay, away for that's a while. Fine, that's fine. It comes back. Um, but I started watching Sopranos again. Okay, very good. Because I had Nick, Bob, and Justin over the house very on good. Sunday for the first time. Okay. And so, like, there was nothing to watch. I thought the Mets were on at four. Turns out they're on and at seven. seven. Yeah. So, you know, Nick was watching the Sopranos for the first time. I said, where'd you start? All right, cool. Let's start from there. Okay. And then we stopped at the Pine Barrens. Very good. Right? But he didn't see it. So I go, listen, no bullshit. This is the best episode of the yeah, series. Yeah, it's... He texts me the next day. He goes, yo, Mike, Pine Barrens was ass. Mike. I go, this is the last time you're going to fucking call me that before I smack the shit out you. And then you better smack him next time. I will. Okay, and I then, want you to. I want you to FaceTime me right after you smack him. I'll do it. Okay. And then, uh, well, you know, it, more than likely, like I hung out at their house a lot. Yeah, but you could Bob smack him at Nick his place. Not Bob and Nick are going to be by me a lot. I already know that's going to happen. Um, Probably. But I've you know reignited my Soprano spark. I I am starting in season three, but I'm okay with it. Sure, sure. I know everything that's happening. Yeah. Um. Again, more. It's always sunny. Very good. Uh, I what? Watched, what? Are you watch any new episodes of that that you hadn't seen before? No, because I'm still I'm still in like season uh, ten okay. that I haven't seen. So I'm st- I'm slowly. Making oh, I my can't way. wait to get to Hero or Hate Crime. I can't. Hero or Hate Crime is so good. And then I watched Armageddon. Okay, very good. Again for the millionth time. Uh, uh, very good. And I watched On the Waterfront. Okay, but can't ever go wrong with On the Waterfront. I haven't seen On the Waterfront a lot. Um, Josh? Uh, this week on the docket is Cool Hand Luke. I haven't seen that movie in Very good. Years, dude. Josh, what'd you watch? So, uh, aside from the movie, um, this week was mostly about Ghost of Tsushima for me. Very good. I beat uh, it as well. I beat it as well. Thanks for spoiling it, dude. You said you, you were did in say, Act 3. I did no, not. I told no, you. No, I, shh. Last week, I said... I'll find the fucking text, Last week, sucker. this is exactly what I said. I said, on the show, I said, I just finished Act 1. And I was just getting to the part where I had to get to I had to uh, get the show from the main. No, you did say that on the show, but on text message over the weekend, I told you I just finished Act Two, and you said you have a lot left. Isn't that pretty much what he said via text? I'll yes, pull the message what, up. That's not what I said. Okay, can, maybe can, maybe you misunderstood, can, and then we can, misunderstood. Can guarantee? Because I'm being. Why would I lie about that? Uh, maybe I, you I, misunderstood I, is what I'm saying. Probably. Because um, I, I'm I'm like in the beginning. You of got act two, you got a lot that. left. I, I would say I know act, that. Yeah. I, I would say there's a solid fifty to sixty hours of gameplay in the act actual game if you're doing all the side stuff too and i started playing destroy all humans remake very That's good why. can't go wrong with that um so you played that mostly did you watch anything else josh uh yeah i watched <laughs> i watched independence day again it's not again that, there's dude. nothing wrong with that yeah. three weeks in a row <laughs> okay uh well, like every day for three weeks no like, no no, no. <laughs> That's That'd be weird. no i watched it once each week for the past three weeks okay I, I can't hate on that especially because it's something that you've seen so many times you don't need to be engaged from start to finish yeah is, is that what you you're are. doing pretty much okay 
Fine. But you are engaged. Um, it's independent. I, like, I'll do my drawings while like right. something's on in the background. But your drawings have been fucking on point. Yeah, though. very good. Um, um, and Independence Day has just kind of been what's been yeah, on the background. Yeah, I, I have no issue with that at all. Um, so I watched uh, the first two Austin Powers because uh, <laughs> they're always worth it. Why not? Dude? The first one especially. The <laughs> second one is good, but the first one is so goddamn funny. I love like all the, the little fucking uh, stupid Hey, jokes. there you are. Like in the second one when they're in the tent and she uh, She's putting... The, the silhouette dynamite. looks like she's putting shit in his ass. Yeah. <laughs> the only she has a fucking sledgehammer. The, the, I don't. I don't really like Goldmember at all. The only part that makes me laugh is when they're doing the subtitles. It says, "Please eat some shit." <laughs> it says shiitake mushrooms. I, I really, really enjoyed. I, I Goldmember was the first Austin Powers I was allowed to see. Okay. Until I saw the first two, and I still love when he goes, "Doctor Evil, can I paint this Yuhu gold?" It's <laughs> kind of my thing. My, my issue. How about no, you crazy Dutch bastard? There's parts in Goldmember. That I like, it's but stupid. it was it was too much of a retread of two for me. And the whole it movie, I think, the, I think the actual thing on it is there's a cameo every ten minutes. It's one giant cameo. They do the double entendre again with the. It looks like a giant. I'm like, all right, Johnson. yeah. There, there's some funny parts in it, but um, the first one is still the fucking best. Uh, you didn't happen to see. Anything at all. <laughs> You're, they're always after me, Lucky Charms. And the second one, I've called it the Alan Parsons Project. <laughs> is that, wait, is, is the first one or the second one where he, he, he does the fucking thing in the hallway? Where, like, oh, that's the first one when he's the, stuck between the walls. And he's trying to back up. And, and they kind of do that in the second one when he's in the, 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 the car time machine. And he just backs straight up. And then he's trying to go straight. And he just smashes. That looks like it was expensive. <laughs> and Heather Graham is so hot in it. And the first one, Elizabeth Hurley is so hot. Um, they're, they're really funny movies. Um, I watch Congo. <laughs> Please, why are you eating my sesame cake? No one just stop. I do. Stop eating my sesame cake. Amy, ba- smart. Bag of shit. Mean gorilla. Amy, it's, smart. It's so, and it's Laura Linney, and it's Ernie Hudson, and it's so bad. It's got all the elements in a bad movie I want. There's, um, there's a plane that crashes. They have to, they have to skydive with the gorilla attached to him. Okay. There's evil gorillas. <laughs> there's a tribe that they try to ro- re- like revive a it guy that looks like, like he's dead. The apes, dude. There's evil gorillas killing people, and then there's a volcano. <laughs> like, dude, tell me what's wrong with this movie. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I watched last night. The landlord never saw it on our list from that poster. Um, she never saw The Graduate. We watched The Graduate last night. All time great classic movie on AFI's uh, 100 Greatest American Films. It's number 17. Dustin Hoffman's like breakthrough role, which is funny. You know, he's banging the, the mother of a, a, uh, their parents' friend, and she's like, I'm old enough to be your mother, and you look it up. She's only six years older than Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> so that was really good. Uh, we continued our Avengers watch through. Let me think. So, what did I say we left off on? We did uh, Winter um, Soldier, Infinity War. Oh no, we didn't do Infinity War yet. We watched last night. We watched uh, Ragnarok, or the night before we watched Ragnarok. And I told the landlord she really likes the Thor movies because um, I it has the, the mythology stuff is a big side of it. Is sure Hemsworth? Um, no, it's not. She doesn't. She thinks he's attractive, but she's not like doesn't think he's that attractive. But um, we oh, we watched Civil War as well. 
Um, but Ra I knew she'd love Ragnarok. Ragnarok is so goddamn funny. It is, it is so fucking funny and so much fun. And I like Civil War. It's just the villain is very half-hearted to me. It's Avengers 2.0. It's, it's, it's an Avengers it's movie. There's some really cool stuff in it. You get to meet Spider-Man. You get to meet Black Panther. Um, it's the first but, time you see Winter Soldier. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, you get to see him in Winter Soldier. Well, but no, no, so good. You see Winter be, Soldier is like... Correct. Not, uh, yeah. not being evil the whole time. Correct. Um, there's things in Civil War I really like. Um, I felt like it should have had a much bigger payoff ultimately. But it was a good movie. Um, tonight we're going to watch Infinity War, and I do think the proper way to do it is Infinity War, Captain Marvel, Endgame, just because the the tie in at the end of Captain Marvel. It makes sense. Yeah, it's fine. Um, she's been liking the ones I did. Like, I, she's one of the few people she liked Age of Ultron more than the first Avengers. So I'm like, all right, that's different. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think if we watched anything else this week. I don't think so. But um, yeah, uh, The Graduate last night. No real TV shows. Um, but in a minute. minute we're going to get to the Emmy nominations because Josh wanted to talk about that too. Um, but you did say you've been watching a lot of baseball. A lot of baseball. Um, so baseball came back after we recorded last week. Um, it was great. You guys left. Um, oh, that's, that's the wise-ass text I sent you when you said you almost died. Um, you're like, I almost just passed out at the wheel. I said, because of the Mar Marcus Stroman news? Because it was literally, oh, yeah. as you guys left, it comes out that he has a torn calf. And you're like, no. <laughs> like, I'm like, maybe I should be serious now. Um, so season started. Mets won opening day. Won nothing. DeGrom was great. Cespedes home run. Uh, won some money on that. That was really cool. Actually won a lot of money on baseball in the last couple days. I've, I bet, I've bet about $150 and I'm up about $2,500 right now. Yep. Uh, I've hit on almost all my parlays, which is nice. Um, and I had one big hit for like 800 bucks. Yeah, you, posted, you sent us that the other night. And then I cursed him. Yes, you did curse Conforto. Now... Uh, within four days of the season starting, it's looking uh, more and more like there's a chance they're going to put a pause on everything because of one team, uh, the Miami Marlins. Uh, it started out as 12 players tested positive, or no, four players tested positive before the game with the Phillies on Sunday, and MLB in their infinite wisdom decided to let them play anyway, uh, and then it comes out, oh no, another 10 players tested positive, oh, another two, and another two today, so the Marlins are shut down through at least Sunday. Uh, they added a game to the the Yankees scheduled to play the Orioles next week, a one-game series. Um, Is that a series? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. They added a Yankees game to a Yankees Orioles not, to the I'm schedule. I'm not doubting that, but you can't say it, it's a series. I know. Well, they, that, anytime you play one game, it's a one-game series. That's what they'll call it. It doesn't matter because the Yankees would win the series anyway. I yeah, know. It three it would, it'll be sad if they don't. Yeah, right. <laughs> I actually put money tonight on both Alonzo and Judge to hit home runs. Oh, there was wow. a parlay for that. Um, so it's been interesting start to the season. Um, you know, a lot of injuries already, which we expected. Verlander, Kluber, uh, a couple other guys are injured. Marcus Stroman we talked about. And I said that to you guys when it started. The pitching injuries are going to be out of control this year. But you know, you're seeing some things from teams you expected. The Dodgers look fucking great. The fucking Twins look awesome. The Twins lineup is disgusting. Um, and no real like surprise teams thus far that you're like super impressed with. But the Mets pissed me off on Saturday. I was way more mad about the, um, the Diaz blown save than I was the 14 to 1. 14 to 1 was frustrating, of course, but um, you know, you can't really. Uh, Imanez just got a hit. Nice. Um, but his first major league hit, so you got to get the yeah. baseball. Um, but uh, the Diaz is so funny. The Diaz, so the first game, he gets that, he gets a, a 
he, big strikeout. Dude. Yeah, he he gets the save. He only walk, he walked Freddie Freeman, which <laughs> I'm fine gets with. It's a no decision, of course. Oh my god! But then the next game, so the, the th- last out he got, he struck out um, Marcelo Ozuna looking on a fastball outside corner. The next day, Ozuna hits the same exact pitch in the same exact spot over the field. Wasn't a bad pitch. It was a good piece of hitting. Yes. Um, so I'm not too worried about. I'm really not too worried about Diaz yet. But I'd rather Lugo be the. I want Lugo to be a starter. Like, and they even they even right him, now he has to. Be. I, I I would hope so. They even. I was so happy Mets fans finally came around. They pulled him the other day, and like 58% of them want him to be a starter. Not that Mets fans are smart by any well, means. You're Mets fans. You're clearly well, not especially smart. Especially with no, with no Syndergaard, no Stroman. Like, you, we're, in need of a, we're in need of a starter. Yeah. And you can't... I, listen, as much as I love him, you can't count on Matt's to pitch as well as he did that day. Maybe in this season you can just because sure. he's good for 80 innings a year. Right. So maybe this year you can. Right. But, I mean, if, if there's any time to pull like, like to like to pull that is right now. Yeah. But the thing is that Lugo is so, like, irreplaceable in the bullpen. He, that it's it's well, hard to take him out of that. But with the addition of Batances. Yes, exactly. Wilson coming back and doing as well as he's been. Drew Smith looked great last night Drew, out of the bullpen. Drew Smith. I mean, Sheev even looked okay yeah. the other night. You know. Get Hunter Strunklet out of my life. Get him out of my life. And Familia so looked better good. besides the one game. And when they were already getting fucking shelled. Well, I, I think I think obviously you know I, I think Familia losing the weight and kind of like is going to help him. He looked great in the opening game. Re you know like, like reacquainting, re-energized, and kind of like he look again. He's it's it's five years removed from he was one of the best closers. Yeah, in baseball. fifty-two saves, of course, but. You know, again, we brought him back to be the setup man for Diaz. We said that last year, and, and he wasn't good, and, and neither was, was Diaz. And neither was Diaz, but so it's a it, it pass. It's a, blame everyone. I'm not hitting the eject button on Diaz. Obviously, no, not yet. Can't. He gets two more opportunities, and well, if he blows either of them, listen. And it's just, it's the same thing with the Roldis Chapman. Jimenez got picked off first. God damn it. <laughs> but it's just, it, dude, the base running has been atrocious across yeah. the league. Well, that's that kind of stuff is to be expected when they barely had right. spring training. Well, my whole thing too is that like you know, Aroldis Chapman gives up the home run to Altuve that he definitely. We knew it was coming. Don't rip my jersey off. He smiles. Yeah. Diaz gives up the home run. He smiles. Calm the fuck down, please. Yeah. It's not a big deal. It's the third game of the season. Yeah. If, it's, if, if this was it's game kind, 59. It's like, to me, I'm actually happy here you smiled rather than sulked. Sulking worries me more because that's a confidence breaker. Well, that's exactly. He's kind of like, I made my pitch and he still hit it. Like, this is just my luck right now. That's Listen, that happens to everyone. Yeah. Find me a major league closer. Find me a major league pitcher that hasn't had a good pitch and a, and a good piece of hitting happen to him. Dude, one of the most famous good pitches that ended a World Series was Mariano Rivera. In 2001 against the Diamondbacks, it was a good pitch. The bat got broken. It just went right over the middle of the field. It was a soft. Like Josh knows it well. It was just a soft liner it's over happened. the middle. It happens sometimes. Um, now Peterson looked really good in his debut last night. Um, you know, there, there's some some good things to see there. I'm, I'm interested. You know, I, it would have been better to be four and one rather than three and two. But well, it is by, what it is. If you go by winning percentage, if the Marlins just shut down the rest of the year, they have the best winning percentage. <laughs> and they, they make they the make playoffs play at two and one. Uh, I just. You know, this is the thing that worries me with baseball. You know, that one team had this. It concerns me so much with football. How many fucking players in the NFL are opting out, dude? Damian Williams today. Yep. Nate Soldier. Patrick, uh, Patrick Chung. The uh, fix, Marcus Cannon. The fix is in. Trevor Lawrence is going to New England because Bill Belichick is making all of his good players sit the fuck out. I'm telling you, the fix is fucking in. I it's happening. I don't. You know me. I hate conspiracies. Unless it's aliens because that shit's true. I'm telling you. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a New England Patriots. I don't think Bill Belichick will ever tank a season. I I just, I can't see it. I can't see it. 
Okay. Marcus Cannon isn't has anything to do with it. The dude had well, cancer twice. Well, well, like okay. he should sit out. You can't see it, but could you see it? Could you see a global pandemic? Of course, but I can't see Belichick ever caving to anyone. He's the dude that when he's up forty-two to one, he's bombing forty-two to two. He's throwing hail marys in the fourth quarter. He doesn't take. I I just can't see it. The fix is. I, I, and Patrick Chung is not that great of a player. He's a good player, and he's old as shit. He's he's, he's only good in New England. The, the, and, uh, yes, correct. Like most guys. Where, are. where did he go? He went to Philadelphia. And for he was terrible. Yeah, ass. Jamie Collins goes. To and he crew. comes back. And he's a fucking yeah, pro dude. Dame, uh, De- Deion Branch, the same thing. He was bad with when he went to the Seahawks. Comes back to the Patriots. He scores like seven touchdowns in nine games. But like Dante Hightower. Yeah, gone, it's Jamie Collins. But Van Noy, I, I, I am, all these guys. I'm fully convinced there's not going to be a season where they're going to push some eight game season. Or the only way it's going to work is if they do it in a bubble like the NBA. And I, I trust it's NFL. Happen, I trust NFL players less than any players in any organizations to be responsible with the protocols. Like, what's going to happen with one of these young players? Like, take, for example, say Drew Locke decides to go out and party one day. Like, he goes out and parties on a Saturday night. You come in Sunday. Oh, dude, you can't play for 14 days. Oops. It's it literally, I don't, do you trust NFL players to make the right decisions? They can't without a pandemic. First of all, who's going to tell Pat Mahomes a half a billion dollar fucking player what he can well, and can't th- there's do? a big difference between, that's like the LeBron rule. There's a big difference when you're practically the face of the NFL, the new face of the NFL. You There's different rules. I it, There is, but. No, it's the truth. It, it's 100% the truth. But, I mean, that dummy, Lou Williams, going to get fucking, he's been in the NBA since 18, since he was 18 years old. Goes to get fucking food at a strip club, and then <laughs> he's, you how bad the food they're giving it, him. It's like I, I I'm not saying the food they're getting at the bubble ain't bad, but the fact like you can't trust a, a fucking vet that's been in the league since he was 18 years old to be responsible with the safety well, protocols. I do not trust NFL players. You know to be what's re- funny about that story too is he went all the way from Orlando to Atlanta. Yeah, <laughs> that's to, like they must have been. It's like an yeah. eight hour drive. Dude. Yeah, so, <laughs> if it was like 20 minutes, okay, one thing. I would went just to another state. I would just. Kick him out of the league for that. Yeah. Yeah, what literally. Half of Florida about? and half of Georgia he traveled through. Yeah, dude, <laughs> to go get wings you know, you know probably, with glitter on them. You know, it's, probably, it's realistically only a four-and-a-half-hour drive. But No, he, dude, Orlando he to waited, Atlanta. He waited in dude, four from, hours of traffic in Once Atlanta. you cross into Florida, it's four hours to it's, Atlanta. Yeah, I know that. I've done, I made that drive. What I'm saying is is that Atlanta traffic can suck all the, the ass The traffic the probably made it a 12-hour drive. That's what I'm saying. It's literally the worst. It's, uh, I why, just, would you, why would you go to Atlanta? I have no... Of all places. I, I, I think you're, go to Miami, dude. Dude, go anywhere. Go to fucking Tallahassee and get some fucking uh, barbecue there or All something. All you have to do is go to Tallahassee if you're looking for pussy and food. Go to Tallahassee and just drive around Florida State. There's people. Dude, I, I, just, I really don't have faith that the NFL is going to be able to pull this off. Well, because that's, that's, if an entire Major League team Got infected, right? We'll say an entire team. Six hours and fifty-seven minutes with yeah, no traffic. With no traffic, yeah. So, <laughs> well, Atlanta traffic, fourteen hours. Do you trust that they'll be able to stop coronavirus cases in the NFL because of the travel? No, no, not just because of the travel, but you're playing a contact sport. I understand. That. It's like, no, no, it, well, like it, uh, no. Listen, so this goes exactly into the conversation we had a couple days ago. Get your lighter. You, uh, I think it fell down there. Oh, great. <laughs> so, like. It's up. So again, like I said, you know, the players do have to police themselves. They're, you do have to be held accountable. Uh, accountable because this is a grown ass man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But when it comes down to it, it's these are the same guys. Only you know, only a handful. Only like ten years ago, you couldn't get off the field when they had life life altering concussions. CTE. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like these guys are, are, especially the players now, have it beaten in their head since they were kids. 
oh well, their heads are beaten in two. Since they were kids, if you're not if you're not on a gurney, you're gonna play. Yeah. If you're not dying, you're gonna play. But if you're test positive, you're not gonna play. Exactly. So yeah. it's hard. It's gonna be a hard pill for a lot of these guys to swallow. Yeah. So I think that there's a genuine disconnect. Like it is with all major sports, between ownership, yeah. uh, executive level, and obviously players as well, and sure. especially the union. So, I, re- refresh my memory: Is the NFL the like the CBA is not up for another three, four years, right? Uh two or three, I think. Yeah. So listen, if they if they couldn't get this right, if the you know if the MLBPA and you know if they could barely get a CBA done or get something like this done, what makes you think that they're going to get it done three years down the line when there's already union? There's already yeah, negotiations I mean, are. Shit. Well, they came to you know an agreement for training camp and everything. They did the unions and the, the league came to an agreement on that. Um, but it just, I don't know. There's just no way I see them being able to pull this off because they're so fucking disorganized with things in general. And if, you know, the team, if let's say they have a season, okay? okay, let's say the teams that it's going to affect the most is a team like yours with a second year quarterback with a new offensive coordinator because he's not going to have a preseason to work on reps. Yep. If you have a rookie offensive lineman, he's probably not going to play for a while because you need. Those guys to play in, in training camp in preseason because they need to see what it's like, even if it's only for four or five snaps against a Joey Bosa, a Von Miller, yes, a JJ Watt. You you need to, you need to see how they're going to react and just be able to coach them up in game action against a, a good swim move, spin move. Um, you know it, and. You're not going to have that. It's going to hurt a guy like Drew Locke. It's going to hurt a guy um, that, that's a first, a Joe Burrow, a Tua Tungvaloa, even though he's not going to start. Right. There's going to be a lot. Of, it's going to hurt second-year teams the most. The teams that didn't have coaching changeover are going to most likely be fine, but we're going to have really, really sloppy football. The first two, three weeks in any regular season are sloppy. Now we're talking half the season will be sloppy because we're, we're maybe going to have one preseason game, most likely none. Yeah, but my whole thing is, too, like, getting rid of the preseason, I understand that the players and the union, or, uh, excuse me, the players and the owners were all in a grant to get rid of preseason because they don't get paid for it, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, they make no money. The, o- the owners will mostly see it because they lose money on preseason Correct. games. So in this particular, again, with these unprecedented circumstances, I see the need for, at minimum, two preseason games just to test protocols. I, I don't disagree else. with that at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, how are you going to get to week one and you have no idea if your protocols even work? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You have no idea if the treatment that you have, if the people that you got in the building, there's so many unanswered questions. So at least the preseason this year gives you an opportunity to, let's see. Because one preseason game means half the NFL can try their protocols and everyone else is left in the dark. Yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, fair is fair. Life isn't fair. I understand that. But again, unprecedented circumstances required unprecedented measures. And this is one of those times. Yeah. When these exceptions need to be made to protect the players at all costs. Like some of these rules that, they, that they've come out with are so asinine. You can beat the shit of each other for 60 minutes during a football game, but I, I can't swap a jersey? Yeah, I know. And what does literally, that mean? literally, you can't do that. It's so fucking dumb. No spitting? Yeah, no how, spitting. How, like, how are you going to tell these guys they can't fucking spit? I remember seeing something, even during Major League Baseball, where they're like, oh, you're not allowed to high five. What's the first thing that happened when, when Cespedes, five. Cespedes hit a home run? Of he course. He got mobbed in the dugout. Of course you he know did. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's, it, listen, there are silly rules, and if you do want to play, I think there needs to be a document handed to these players where. It's a, essentially it's a, it's a version of an NDA where I am not liable for any person, but it's a union thing. So it, it makes it harder. I understand that, but there needs to be a document saying, "Listen, this is your at your own personal risk." 
you 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 adhere to what these protocols are, what we're saying, and once you like once you sign your name on the dotted line, then you're liable for legitimate legal action. Well, it's also going to be the first guy that breaks his protocol. He's going to get suspended. He's going to be in quarantine for ten days. That means you miss a week, and they probably should dock him the game check too. Thousand percent. And they're not going to be happy about that. I just don't trust young NFL players, and you can't even trust veterans in a lot of cases to make the right decisions. Say Antonio Brown comes back, you think that motherfucker's going to stay inside? Do you want him to? He's trashing hotel rooms all the time and shit. All the time. I mean, that's the other thing with the MLB, the Marlins. They're paying the, the teams and the players, the, their opponents that they were supposed to play this week, but they're not paying the Marlins players, which I think is fucking crazy. Unless they can prove it was one player's fault specifically, don't pay him. But I'd be like, come on, you're really not going to pay him? Because even if all 14 are asymptomatic, they're not sick, they shouldn't be out there where they have close contact with them. It's just... I. The and Major League Baseball tends to take care of their players in that sense better than the NFL does. Facts. I don't see any way the NFL handles this properly. I, I, I have no faith. I have no faith in it. I mean, they've botched so many controversies. They've botched so many terrible things. The biggest thing recently was obviously the concussions and the cell. Even as something as silly as the celebration rule, they they can't even get a celebration. They bot- rule listen. Right. Say what you love them. They botched Kaepernick horribly by saying they didn't Bad. blackball him. They bl- they blackballed him. They, and they they denied it forever. And now now Roger Goodell's trying. Trying to get out in front of it. Oh, we didn't listen to you guys. Like, no shit you didn't listen to him. No matter how you feel about it, it was all about the league just listening to him and they didn't want to. And they blackballed the guy that should have still been in the league. Well, it's what, it, you know, it's definitely it's definitely the league. Nice, they just threw out uh guy stealing second, Rene Rivera. Oh, I was gonna say that's definitely not Wilson Rombos. No, it was Rene Rivera. But um no, like it's definitely up to the players to police themselves. I think that there you have to take a level of responsibility. Obviously, listen, we're all people. You're all grown ass men. Take responsibility. You're for getting yourself paid millions of dollars to play a game. You could be responsible for a fucking season. Now, at, now at the same time, I also want to shift the conversation because I do understand that. But I've had a lot of conversations that week that have really, really bothered me. Okay, specifically with the free speech and especially like with the, the opening ceremonies, opening day. Sure, sure, sure. Kneeling. Yeah, even kneel. b- before the anthem, they kneel. Before there was some. Guys that like Judge and um, Hicks kneeled for the anthem, right? Or no, it was um, Giancar- was it Giancarlo or was it, it was Giancarlo and and uh, Hicks? Either kneeled. way, right? So I had uh, I've had a bunch of conversations with a bunch of people, and I was going to have them rename uh, na- remain nameless, redacted, um, because they it's a it's an archaic way of thinking where it's like I'm not going to watch. Because of the disrespect, blah, blah, blah. That same old song and dance, Yeah, right? sure, sure. Now, I'm a big enough man to admit I kind of had the same feelings initially when Kaepernick was doing it. It takes a bigger man to move on from his views. Brandon Marshall sure. was, was doing it. Uh, my Brandon Marshall, the linebacker. Dude, when Kenny Stills did it week one against the Seahawks and he dropped the game-winning touchdown, I said it was karma. So my views have evolved on that as, as well. So, and this is what I keep trying to explain to people. Instead of getting mad about it, because that doesn't really help the conversation and push it forward, was... Even though they're millionaires, they're this, they're this, they're this, they're still people. And it's just as much their right to kneel as it is our right to disagree. Yeah. I, I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just saying, like, uh, there's a good... It's your right to disagree just as much. There's a good percentage of the population that say, I'm not going to watch because I think it's disgusting. Sure. That's your right. You yeah. have every right to feel that way. They have every right, even though they're privileged people. They're very privileged people. 
to voice their opinion just like anyone else's. What is freedom of speech if you have, you believe that one side should shut the fuck up because you don't like it? So, and then I get, and then obviously you're fed, well, it's disrespectful to the troops, it's disrespectful sure, to this. Sure, Which, again, I also Listen, understand there's a, the there's, line of thought. Yeah, I understand it too, sure. But, but, the, but the, like, that's such an archaic and such an old school way of thinking. Half the people, when you look at, like, the posts, uh, I see it as much on Facebook as I do on Twitter because I see the uh, SNY page come up and they showed the kneeling and all these people, I'm not watching. And I'm like, you probably weren't. Why? I've seen people sharing the articles. I'm not watching. I'm like, I know you don't watch anyway. These are the same fucking people that said the AFL was going to put the NFL out of business. And the XFL, yeah. And the XFL. Yeah, oh, XFL but, is going to take over. So, yeah, shut and, up. But then it's also part of, like, I feel like it's just part of this old way. Again, I keep coming back to that. It's this old way of thinking where it's like respect, respect, respect. I understand. Listen, to, but to get respect, you have to give respect. And yeah. it's, it's earned. You know what I mean? Sure. It's not given. Absolutely. But And I also try to explain it like this. Freedom of speech, in and itself, is a hypocrisy. Yeah. Because, listen, as much as you have these smart intellectuals, you have these people that are Harvard-educated, you have these very, very bright young minds, and you have these old, these old school guys that really make a lot of sense. Yeah. Unfortunately, in that same paradigm... We have to listen to the dumb shits, too. Yeah, you absolutely... Dude, here's the truth. I was having a conversation with the landlord's father about it the other day. I don't know if you saw this video. Um, There's been a lot of these videos going around of people in, like, Walmart and grocery stores not wearing masks. But there was one going around at the Walmart, these two, this older couple wearing fucking bandanas that were Nazi flags. In a Walmart. Are you kidding me? I swear to God. We're Nazi flags. Um, And their reasoning was, we're wearing this because if Joe Biden becomes president, it's going to be Nazi America. That's literally what they said. And they're like, you know know what the fuck he is. Then literally the person said to him the right thing. Like, you know, we had a war with Nazi Germany. Literally, the Nazi flag represents everything and America's not. So it doesn't matter what reason you're having. You're wrong. And it's disgusting and it's offensive. It's not going to be Wolfenstein, dude. But what my argument was, and I'm not trying to make a positive argument argument in this sense, but the truth of the matter is, whether they're a Nazi, a racist, whatever, White supremacist. Their, their vote means as much as yours or mine. Facts. They're, you're allowed to feel that way in this country. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be shamed and embarrassed for it. I have no issue with public shaming of someone that wears a Nazi flag in public. You're a fucking asshole. Literally, it's these cocksuckers... Same thing with the Confederate yeah, flag. These, these, you lost! These cocksuckers want to fly the flags of two losers that America went to war with. And beat the shit out of And beat the shit out of. The Confederacy lasted less time than Josh and mine's emo phase. <laughs> Literally, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jed Lowry is, is yeah. going to be injured longer than the Confederacy. Yeah, it was, was a, a five-year thing. So the, don't act like you're like, I, oh, it's a rebel flag. What are you rebelling against? That people don't agree with you. Not agreeing with anyone, someone is the principle of, a, of democracy. And let, I understand there is a. I'm reading a great book about this that I sent you guys today called "The Coddling of the American Mind." That is talking about how we're trying to eliminate democracy that might upset people, conversations. You see it on college campuses a lot of the times. There's a major war on both sides of this about not wanting to or not wanting to hear the sides of, of things you don't agree with. But with that said, you have to understand that just because you don't like the way something sounds, it's just like things we talked about with cancel culture. If you don't like it, you don't watch it. If you don't agree with it, you don't watch it. No one cares that you're not watching it, dude. Like, what do you, what do you think you're fucking tweet? And the truth of the matter is, most of these people are probably still watching. I didn't like yeah, any, I didn't like the kneeling when it started in the NFL, but my opinion on it always was, I don't give a fuck what millionaires think because they live completely different lives than 
any of us. They don't understand what it's like to be in their shoes as much as we'll never understand what it's like to be in their shoes. So why do I care? I don't care. Now, with that said, do I think it's honorable for someone that has that platform to speak out on things that they believe are injustices? Even if I don't agree, sure. It's absolutely. If they're doing it the right way. Kenny Stills, to me, was a better example than Colin Kaepernick because Kenny Stills not only was kneeling, but he was working in Miami with local police departments and the communities to bridge the relationships between them. He got traded to Houston, and the commissioner of the Houston Police Department said Kenny Stills deserved all the recognition of the award because of the work he was doing with communities that had issues with the police to bridge the relationship. That's the right way to do it. It's very similar to Justin Simmons, the all-pro safety Denver Broncos. Sure. Yes, he's doing an amazing, amazing job. And like, literally, I even said it because he was at, when, they, when these protests first started, he was at a Black Lives Matter rally, and he was, you know, obviously, you know, he's a all-pro safety, all this sure, stuff. Sure, sure. You know, he's higher predator than us normal folk and he's you know he's taking the microphone he's being the voice the voice for the voiceless essentially yeah and I have nothing but praise and love for the guy not one because he's my guy but I also said too he's doing it the right way he's an advocate He's a human being first. He's an all-pro safety second. And my big thing, honestly, is I that just, Denver, could you fucking... Could you, sign could, him. Could you sign him to a long-term deal? You just The Chargers just locked down Joey Bosa for five years, 30, $135 million. How do you not lock down this fucking guy who's going to be the leader of your defense for the next 10 fucking years? Josh, comment. Oh, the only reason I laughed is because he said he's an advocate. And, uh, I just thought it was Paul Heyman. Yeah, it just popped into my head. <laughs> no, my, I'm an advocate. I'm only an advocate. I'm only an advocate. <laughs> Wait, who, who was that that cornered him again? I was, was that, the Undertaker. Was it the Undertaker? <laughs> yeah. I was still I'm watching only an advocate. Point. I'm only an advocate. No. no. Um, he's the only guy I know that could scream that loud, and I can hear him without a microphone in his hand. Yeah, I just, like... I mean, and like I said, they, people were mad at the Yankees and Nationals. They kneeled before the anthem. No one kneeled during the anthem. Like, And it's because all, all these people, well, black lives matter, well, all lives matter, well, white lives matter, blah, blah, blah. Just shut the fuck up, dude. So, like, how is your life changing at all? Because some fucking millionaire athletes decide to stage some kind of message of unity. Your life hasn't changed. If that upsets you, you have some major other problems you need to look into because that is not the, the basis of your issues. So yeah, like, I said, and it was it was kind of an awkward time too. So like, I did go. So I went down the shore last weekend. Okay. Um, I went fishing with my father. All it was, right. It was fucking fantastic. And again, you know, I, I'm the young guy there. You know, it's all older people, and I love these people to death. Because you know they're my they're my family friends, but they're mostly like aunts and uncles. You know what I mean? Like close fa- like close family yeah. friends that become aunts and uncles. Really? Yeah, of course. I have a few of those. Um, Josh and I are Italian. We have a bunch of those. So I, you know, I'm, I'm listening to a lot of these people talk, and again, it's just I take their opinion with a grain of salt because also I'm biased. I love them very much. Of course. And but again, it's just it's an old school way of thinking. It's an archaic way of thinking. And you, again, you have the right to think that way. It's just I, listen. I don't have to agree with you, and that's fine. Here's what I say to those people, guys: Turn off Fox News. Turn off the the things that just turn off Fox News and get off Facebook. That's the other thing that that book I'm reading is talking about is just how social media is completely manipulating people because the way the AI and Twitter are the AIs are built are to specifically trigger things more so that frustrate you and upset you because it gives you a bigger dopamine release and dopamine is the thing that you know triggers addiction. So you get your news feeds built up around things that upset you. It's so, so funny you even said dopamine. I watched the Killer Rogan episode where the the, 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 the I forget the guy. His name, but he was talking about Andrew Haberman. 
Yes. The, the guy, the brain, the neurosurgeon, dude. neuroscientist. It was great. It he was fucking a, great. Like a 15 minute thing. Yeah, about that was one of the things he, dude, he well, the thing, one of the things he talked about was they put these sensors in the brain and they were triggering different parts of the brain that, um, to see what the dopamine release was. They triggered one for sexual arousal, for humor, for excitement, for fear. And they said the one that gave the biggest dopamine release was frustration. People like getting angry. I've admitted for years, I love getting angry. One I of my love, favorite things to do. Uh, but I, most people don't realize that they're, they're enjoying getting angry and they think that they're becoming educated. There's certain people that I follow and they put all their news is, put, is just screenshots of other people's opinions and do, why don't you form your own opinion rather than get the opinions of others and come up with your own thing and just uh, I really hope that eventually social media the consensus is you know what no political stuff's allowed to be posted. I would really prefer that. Oh just like, go to sports stuff that'd be fucking great. It still just blows my mind how you know representatives, senators, the president of the United States uh, Obama, Trump, and Anybody has the ability to put, sh like, sp sp specifically the president of the United States can tweet, can tweet. and retweet asinine things, like someone saying white power, like he did. I still think the most ridiculous thing, and I, it might have been a mistake, knowing how dumb he is, mm -hmm. was when he referred to the Secret Service as the SS. Yeah, no, that was. I don't think he knew that the. I don't think he knew what the SS was. I, that's what and I'm saying. Just at the same time, he didn't know the actual acronym for the Secret Service is the USSS. Correct. Um. Anyway. Uh, that's embarrassing. Um, Re um, uh, Regis is dead. That stinks, man. <laughs> uh, no, listen, I'll, I'll tell you. Regis. <laughs> because who wants to be a millionaire was fucking Iconic. Great. Was Iconic. fucking great. And I remember going down the shore with my parents when I was a kid. My mother loved Regis and, Ka Regis and Kathy. That was her name? He hated Kathy. Lee. I know he did. I know he did. Yeah, he it, was Regis loved... and it was Regis and Kathy, then it was Regis and Kelly. Regis, Regis and Kelly. I, I think that Regis is one of those people that uh, you could know who he is by not seeing him. Oh, his voice. His voice yeah. is iconic. Tell him, Galman. Yeah. Yep. Oh my god! Yeah, Yo, Regis he was one of my favorite cameos in How I Met Your Mother when they're trying to find the greatest burger in New York. Oh yeah, but they play it off as if he's like he's this the strongest guy ever, right? And they're like they're trying to find the world's greatest burger, and they're like Regis, you're at the wrong place, and you just sort of, ah, and then like it cuts away, and it cuts back, and he smashes a mailbox. I don't know why it's one of the funniest fucking things, uh, dude. I I will always have an appreciation for Regis because he was a a lifelong um, again to use this word advocate for professional wrestling. He was a huge professional wrestling really? fan. Yeah, he was at all kinds of WWE events through the years um, or early WrestleManias he was at. He, uh, you know, he was just like, um, he's like in the zeitgeist of American pop culture forever. <laughs> he just would have been a killer, like, wrestling commentator. Oh, he would have been great. Oh my god, it's a Stone Cold Stunner! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really would have been. Imagine him uh, in, like, Gorilla Monsoon. Oh my god, that would have been great. Him and Bobby the Brain would have been great. He was just, uh, you know, well, that's why, like, Bob Euchre was great when he did WrestleMania he, or SummerSlam. He was just, he knew how to work it. He just had the right personality for it. You know, he had the talk shows. And again, who wants to be a millionaire? I think when that came on the scene, we were like in fifth or sixth grade, maybe. Everyone watched Who Wants to Be a Millionaire when it came on. It was fucking, it was the biggest game show. It was huge. He, uh, so he's dead. Um, oh. Olivia de Havilland died. She was 104 years old. She started in Gone with the Wind. Um, so one of the last people from the golden age of Hollywood. She's dead. Um, did anyone else die? Uh, got one of the founders of the Roots died today, um, so he's dead. Was it Toby? No, it wasn't Toby. It wasn't Wyclef? Was it? No, it wasn't Wyclef. He's too oh, busy. No, oh no, that's the Fuji. He's sorry. too busy ripping off people in Haiti again. Oops. Um, uh, what else do I have stop, here? Stop Coney, twenty twelve. 
Uh, did you, I, Taylor? I'm assuming you didn't watch it. You made me mad that I didn't think you were watching Darren Till and um, Robert Whitaker. Because I was fishing all day and I fell asleep. Early. Oh, you suck. Um, I was mad. Um, I scored. It, it could have gone either way. It was a fight where I was very clear. Neither guy sparred much because it was very. It wasn't necessarily sloppy. It just wasn't clean. I scored it for Till slightly. It was weird. The scorecards were all over the place. Oh, I went, saw, it went to decision. Yeah, it went to decision. I saw people score um, going in the fifth round. I saw people have it three one Whitaker, three one Till, two two. I had it 2-2, and then I had uh, I Till went in the fifth, but it was very mostly uneventful. Each guy got rocked at least once, um, but I was mad because if Till won, I would have hit my parlay, um, which he didn't, which whatever, but um, the big announcement we got on October 24th, uh, Khabib's coming back. He's fighting Justin Gaethje. Super excited for that fight. Who you got, Dan? Right now it's Khabib. Um, slightly, slightly. Um, it's I'd say sixty forty in his favor, just because I haven't seen a true weakness in him yet. His stand up is obviously his weakest point, but it ain't that bad, and it's used to set up his takedowns. I'll say the only time I even seen him rocked was Michael Johnson hit him hard. Yeah, hit him hard, and he was barely rocked. Um, now the interest, the thing that's going to be interesting to see with Khabib is that his father died of. Course COVID-19, and his father was also his head coach. So it's going to be interesting to see how he comes in mentally for this. But um, the other thing that's interesting from a stylistic standpoint, he's never faced a collegiate-level wrestler like Justin Gaethje. Yeah, but we've never seen Gaethje wrestle. But we've seen his his takedown defense is fantastic. I understand. We we know. I don't need to see him wrestle to take down Khabib. I need to see how his takedown defense is. And the the only fight that I could say I thought Khabib lost was against a guy named Glayson Tebow. He was um, a, gr- a guy I used to train with down at American Top Team in Florida. Ma- massive lightweight. Huge lightweight. Black belt in jiu-jitsu. One of the best double leg takedowns. He took down Khabib. He avoided his takedowns. And when he did get taken down, he got right back up. And I scored that fight for Glayson Tebow ever so slightly. So this will be the first time he's fa- Khabib is fighting a collegiate level wrestler that if he can't get it down, he's in some major, major trouble on the feet. I agree. Because he's not going to be sitting that he He's not going to be like when Connor got dropped by Khabib. It was at, because of the fear of the takedown. He was so set and not getting taken down that he wasn't using his normal defensive uh, tactics on his feet. Right. Gaethje's not going to be as afraid of getting taken down, and he's not going to be as afraid of getting. He's not going to. His chin is great. We've seen his chin in action. So it, it's a really interesting fight. So right now I'm 60-40 Khabib, and we also know Gaethje has the cardio. That's the other side of it. He's got great cardio. Um, it's an amazing, amazing matchup. One of the best title fight matchups stylistically the UFC's had in years. In a lot of ways, it's the classic striker versus wrestler. Right. Going back to the very roots of the UFC. I just look at it because Gaethje was so dominant against Tony Ferguson. Different opponent. I understand, but we still you know, obviously Tony Khabib was the fight for what, five fucking years? Yeah. And then, you know, obviously Gaethje fucking brains Ferguson. But to your point, you know, Gaethje does have incredible fucking takedown defense. Um, he really is just an otherworldly fighter, and he's a brawler. And last fight specifically, he showed where he can actually not go in there guns blazing. Well, he showed and, poise and, and, and fight IQ, and actually, and actually, like stick to the game plan, be smart about things, and not just brawl. And I think he's going to have to do something very similar to what he did. Yeah, well, it's gonna, he's going to have to sprawl and brawl. He's going to have to go the old Chuck Liddell style, sprawl and brawl. Chuck Liddell, he has to use it a Chuck Liddell style of method. People forget because Chuck was knocking everyone out. He was a Division One college wrestler, right. but his wrestling was totally defensive. You couldn't take the guy down, and if you did, he popped right back up. That's the matchup he needs to do. He, uh, I would avoid, I, I mean, throw the leg kicks later in the fight, but avoid them early, because the last thing you want to do is get him on top of you in the corner. He'll grab um, you, too. Yeah. I, I, listen, I also think it's 
I think it's a matter of time. I think Khabib will get his shot. He will get him down eventually. I do think it's going to happen. Yeah, that's why I favor him because it's if he gets him down early on, then he's going to be in trouble because he. The Randy Couture talked about how he was able to tell. Randy Couture's style was dirty box, take you down, ground and pound. And he said there was certain fighters you can tell a moment in the fight. You actually feel it. You feel them break their spirit. He felt it with Tito Ortiz. He felt it with Vitor, Vitor Belfort. That something in them breaks. And it, it, I'm sure he, Khabib felt it with Conor McGregor, uh, that he felt him break, and that he's just like, he doesn't have the same thing going for him. So that's going to be, is Gaethje going to break? And he's the one dude who I think will be harder to break. I think Tony Ferguson's incredibly difficult to break, because that's why I thought Ferguson was a great matchup. Now, his other thing is going to be, is can he fight off his back? Because he's going to have to at some point. Facts. It's not a matter of if he's gonna, Khabib is going to take you down. He is going to at some point. It's a matter of what you do off your back, and if you can get back to your feet. That's going to be the important thing. Because everyone that he's taken down, actually, Conor McGregor did a decent job of getting back to his feet a didn't few do times. Bad at all, dude. Um, in hindsight, if you watch that fight back, Conor didn't do as bad on the ground as you thought until he got tired. Um, I'm, I'm super excited for that fight. Uh, the other fight on Saturday, it was great, and it was a really cool Legends matchup we talked about. It was the third fight between Shogun and Lil Nog. They had another fucking great fight. All three fights in this trilogy are, are incredible. I highly recommend them. The best one being the first one that was in Pride. Um, and uh, you know. I scored it for Lil Nog, but it was a really close fight, um, and he retired after. A true legend of the sport. Uh, you know, never held any gold, but he was always one of these dudes that was right there on the precipice of a title shot. Um, you know, he probably he was the number two light heavyweight in the world to Vanderlei Silva when he got knocked out. And the big uh, um, uh, betting-wise, it is the biggest upset in MMA history when Sokaju knocked him out in, in uh, Pride 33. Uh, no one saw that coming. No one saw Sokaju coming at all and he burned out. He was like Houston Alexander. Came on the scene and then he burnt out. Right. Uh, DeGrom just gave up a run. That's alright. What's the score? 1-1. One, one. That's fine. Um, so, some cool stuff happening in the UFC. Uh, there is a card this weekend. I forgot what fight it is, though. Uh, hold on. Let, let me look it up. Real yeah. Quick. I could look it yeah, up. please. Look up the fight. Because um, it's been great having fights every weekend. I've, I've really enjoyed them. It's, uh, you know, the UFC's done. I, although, uh, Dan Hardy and Herb Dean went at it pretty hard. Did they? Um, Herb Dean had a couple of bad stoppages, but one in particular was very, very late, and Dan Hardy and Paul Felder were up screaming at Herb Dean, and Hardy criticized him after. Herb Dean said it wasn't a late stoppage. I thought it was a late stoppage, um, but I think Herb is one of the best refs in the business, so he everyone's entitled to a couple bad stoppages, and to Dan Hardy's credit, he even said that he thinks, um, you know, the time difference is really fucking a guy like Herb up. That, like, you know, it, it literally when that fight card started, it was 7 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's fucked. Man. How are your instincts, and he, he also said the good point that the ref's job is probably more... We always complain about judges, but refs are just as important to understand how... We've seen it recently with some of these guys not stopping fights in time. That refs should have called it, if not their corner. Um, so, I gotta say, so I'm looking at this fight night. It's for August 1st, right? Yes. August 1st is Saturday. Yeah. I really don't know these guys. All right, can so I see it? let me... Yeah, so uh, it's the way you've got to hit this right arrow, and it goes to and from, so it's the okay. top one. Is so, this, so anyway, real quick, the... This is the main event? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, but, Derek Brunson versus... Uh, oh, that's actually a good fight. Uh, I can't say that guy's well, name. It's Edmund well, Shab Shabazian. Well, anyway, so th there's this coming up, and then obviously in two weeks you get Stipe DC3. Joanne Calder Calderwood against Jennifer Maya. Um, Vince Luque against Randy Brown's a good fight. Uh, 
Lando Venata versus Bobby Green, a rematch. They fought two or three years ago to a draw, but it was a fucking war. Okay. Lando Venato fuck, fucking rules, dude. Okay. Um, Kevin Holland against uh, Trevin Giles. Um, the other dude I want to talk about is that that Russian dude, that Khabib-looking guy. Kicked the shit out of the he, other guy. So he fought again on Saturday. He broke the record. He fought. Uh, he won two fights in ten days. Literally, he kicked the shit out of the one that you saw. Then he fought again on Saturday. He landed in one round, 66 strikes, and he didn't get hit once. That's awesome. And he's shit-talking. He's cutting promos. He's calling out Conor McGregor on Twitter. And this fight was at welterweight. Right, right. So he fought at 185 10 days before, at 170 this and, fight. And, he cut and he's looking to fight again in two weeks. This guy is nuts, dude. dude. He's like the new Donald Cerrone, man. Yeah, he's and he's an animal. He's very good. I, I can't wait. Well, you, I, you texted me about this guy because I missed the first round. I, I was somewhere. And you go, dude, are you watching this fight? I go, no. He goes, you literally said word for word. You go, this is the greatest ground and pound I've almost ever seen. Yeah, dude, it was unbelievable. It was so I, I can't wait to see. Uh, another fight news, a big boxing match card was announced. <laughs> um, so uh, the main event being an eight-round exhibition between Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., and the undercard, the co-main event, Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The basketball player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the 5'8 right here. Nate Robinson. Yeah. Here's the thing. Jake Yo, Paul he blocked Yao Ming, dog. J- he was uh, he had hops. Jake Paul's gonna kick his fucking ass. Oh, Jake Paul can actually box a little bit. Yeah, Jake, yeah, it's it's surprising because basketball like, players can't fight unless you're fucking Ron Artest. <laughs> yeah, facts. Well, so I, I know a lot of people made fun of it, but like when Logan Paul fought KSI, like I know it was this big internet thing, and it's like, oh whatever, he's a, made a fucking, lot of money. fucking YouTubers. Dude, they sold out the Staples Center, and like, yeah, that's so stupid. Dude, Dude it did like it did a shit ton of buys too, it did like five hundred thousand buys. So the crazy part about it was when if I actually watched that fight, I'm I was very impressed with both Jake and Logan they, Paul. They they have ability. So they actually, well, I mean, like, uh, what was it? Uh, Logan Paul was a was a was an all wrestler, was wrestler. an all state wrestler, all state football player. The kid's an athlete. Yeah, for sure. Jake's a dickhead. Doesn't mean they're not assholes or anything, but well, I, I will say, listen, say what you want. I, I listened to one episode of Impulsive just to see what it was all about. He has changed. You know, he does say he fucked up. He did his thing. I mean, but he's, he's, he's still uh, my, stupid. My only issue is he said that when he did the suicide forest. He's had a few fuck ups. The but, Black Lives Matter stuff. He was looting. Well, that was Jake. Was oh, was it Jake? Okay. His, All right, his, fair, his, fair. His brother's a shithead. Okay. Logan is cool. Okay. Uh, okay. Maybe not cool. Jake's going to kick Nate's ass, and I'm saying it now, Roy Jones Jr. is going to beat Tyson. He's First off, Roy Jones Jr. Has, was boxing as recently as a couple years ago. So still. I, I, don't, I still don't know enough to really make a good call Roy Jones that. Jr. is a better all-time boxer than Mike Tyson was. I... But probably again, I tonight do I, I say, proxy do you, what I say to, okay. to what you say. Sure, I just I would like to see Tyson. A lot of people saying he shouldn't fight. I understand what you're saying. He's 54 years old, got the shit kicked out of him. This, who's gonna? But like, who's gonna tell Mike Tyson though? No? Well, here's the thing. This situation doesn't bother me as much because Roy Jones Jr. shouldn't be fighting either. He retired because he was like he was winning some fights and he's losing a journeyman. But he's Isn't he still punch drunk still. It, so is Mike Tyson, dude. You don't box that long. You're literally the goal in boxing is to give more head trauma to your opponent. More than MMA is. And um, but the thing is Roy Jones Jr. is still really fast. Do yourself a favor and do me a favor tonight, tomorrow. Watch some Roy Jones Jr. highlights. He is one of the greatest knockouts in boxing history where he was kind of toying with his opponent. And this is where Anderson Silva got it from. He's up against the ropes, his hand behind his back, he does this and then he just knocks the guy out. He and he's he was beating everyone. There was one guy that had his number and it had the guy beat him in the Olympics too. Antonio Tarver. Antonio Tarver couldn't beat anyone else that was worth a damn, but he had Roy Jones Jr.'s number. I remember growing up, those were the two names I heard a lot. Yeah. Roy Jones Jr. is 
next to Ali, my favorite boxer of all time. He was the most exciting boxer. He was cocky. He he rapped. He was in the Matrix Reloaded. Uh, wasn't he also? Wasn't he Mason the Line Dixon? No, that was Antonio Tarver. That was Antonio. Tarver. Um, but uh, this this one I get excited for. I love Roy Jones Jr. I, I've always loved Roy Jones Jr. He won the t- a championship in four or five different weight classes. He was just an animal. He was so fast. Watch his highlights, dude. You're gonna be like, oh shit. And he beat better opponents than Tyson did. Period. Now, how, Tyson probably still hits like a Mack truck because power rarely ever leaves you. But Roy Jones Jr. hit pretty hard, and he's a lot harder to hit than Mike Tyson ever was. Sure. I, so that's that's interesting. Um, Josh, you want to pull up the Emmy nominations? Sure. Um, you said you wanted to talk about them. I figured we were going to talk about them regardless. But um, before we talked about them, I wanted to find out what your... Um, it sounded like you had something you wanted to say about them specifically. Um, well, no, I just thought it was interesting this year because it's a big year. No Game of yeah, Thrones. No Game of Thrones. And HBO had their most nominations of all time yeah. this year. And what's crazy about that is no nominations for The Outsider, the great Stephen King miniseries, or Plot Against America. Plot Against America was fantastic. It didn't get any even limited series nominations. phenomenal. I am, I'm, there's, there's only two real gripes I have here. Three, I guess I'll say. Bob Odenkirk wasn't nominated for Better Call Saul, nor was Rhea Seahorn, who plays Kim Wexler, and um, the guy that plays the brother on season three of Ozark, which was the best acting performance I saw this year, wasn't nominated. And everyone was kind of in agreement. Uh, they just ran. Uh, Jake had two wild pitches this inning. Um, so that was my real gripes. But um, I, there were some really good nominations there. Uh, uh, was it? Uh, S- Succession fucking cleaned up with nominations. Watchmen got a fuck ton of nominations. Mandalorian got 15 nominations, yeah. which is pretty fucking cool. It's a very good so what, I'll read some of them to me uh, as far as the category and whatnot. All right. So I'll start from the top. Sure. And uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that, as you know, obviously it's the Emmys. It's, sure. You know, it's always stacked. But yeah, yeah. This year, more so, I think, than previous years. There's a lot. It's deserving nominations. It's wild this year. You know, so if you look at Outstanding Drama Series, you got Better Call Saul, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, Killing Eve, The Mandalorian, Ozark, Stranger Things, and Succession. I'll I'll say, for me, Stranger Things, Killing Eve, The Handmaid's Tale, and The Crown are kind of the weaker of those. But yeah, you know, and I love Stranger Things. Yeah, and you like The Crown. Yeah, I love it. But you know, Better Call Saul. I thought season three of Stranger Things was way better than two. I agree. I'm just saying it's it's still like a little weak. Better Call Saul, uh, The Mandalorian, Ozark, and Succession. That's 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 crazy. crazy. And I don't I I don't see any way Succession loses. Succession is one of these shows that the awards. You don't don't think that Ozark could? I don't think has a chance. I think it has. Ozark and Justin and I had this conversation in the chat yesterday. Uh, I love Ozark. It's great, but it's the second tier on the great shows for me. But the acting on it is first tier. Um, it, it's an incredibly well filmed show. It's very. It, it definitely has a shot. I think it's gonna be one of those shows that gets the award in its final season. Sure. One of those. But Succession is one of these ones that is building that word of mouth momentum that people are gonna be like, all right, what's the show everyone's talking about that's winning all these awards? So I'm gonna say Succession wins in that category. I think. I think that's like a, a definitive one that wins. Yep. Handmaid's Tale always has a shot because it, it does really well at this award circuit. But this is the first year Elizabeth Moss hasn't been nominated, which is pretty wild. All right, so next up is Outstanding Comedy Series. you got Curb Your Enthusiasm, Dead to Me, Insecure, Schitt's Creek, The Good Place, The Kaminsky Method, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That show's and funny, dude. It is. Man, and, I was uh, shocked at how good Miss... You'll like Miss Maisel, Taylor. And, That's uh, a really funny show. And What We Do in the Shadows. Um, I need to watch that still. It's, I love the movie. You know it's uh, For me, as someone who loves the movie so much... It's funny. 
Okay, Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's not the funny, movie. But it's if you're a fan of the movie, you might not like the show that much. Well, you miss Taika Waititi's like uh, quirkiness that he puts into it. You know, I, I think that I don't. I curb. I, it's going to be curb or Maisel. Maisel always has yeah. a shot. Uh, Dead to Me is really popular. I could see Dead to Me cleaning up there too. Um, but uh, I think Curb is just uh, Curb might have had their best season this past year, which is wild to say. Yeah. Uh, what's next? Uh, outstanding lead actress in a comedy series. You got Christina Applegate from Dead to Me, Rachel Brosnahan from Mrs. Maisel, uh, Linda Cardellini from Dead to Me, Catherine oh, O'Hara her. from Schitt's Creek. Issa That's Ray another from, one, by the way, with comedy. People love Schitt's Creek. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Issa Rae from Insecure. Uh, Tracy Ellis Ross from Blackish. Uh, Miss, Mrs. Maisel's going to win that one. Yeah. She seems to win every year. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. I think that's pretty much yeah. a, a lockdown. Uh, outstanding lead actor in a comedy series: Anthony Anderson, Blackish; Don Cheadle, Black Monday; Ted Danson, The Good Place; Michael Douglas, The Kaminsky Method; Eugene Levy, Shit's Creek; and Rami Youssef in Rami. Okay, so this show Rami, everyone's been talking about. It's an A twenty four show, actually. Really? Um, and it's uh, this guy uh, Rami and uh, Mahershala Ali is on it. So I need to give it a shot at some point. It's on Amazon Prime. I heard good things. With that one, they love giving the old guys like Michael Douglas the awards there. Sure. It's going to be him or Eugene Levy, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about many of these shows. Um, but if you go with the, the social justice one, they're going to give it to Rami because he's the first Muslim to be nominated for the award. Yeah. So it's, it's sad that we have to say that, but it's the truth. That's what they do. Now, this one I'm interested in. Okay. Um, I think I have a, a pretty good idea of who's going to win it. I think you'll agree with me, but it could go a couple of different ways. Okay. Outstanding lead actress in a drama. Okay. Jennifer Aniston in The Morning Show. Okay. Olivia Coleman in The Crown. J.D. Comer in Killing Eve. Okay. Laura Linney in Ozark. Okay. Sandra Oh in Killing Eve. And Zendaya in Euphoria. Okay, that's um, that's a tough one. Um, to me, it's Laura Linney. I was going to say Laura Linney too. I think she'll probably win it. Um, now I've so I've seen. I watched the morning show. I watched Euphoria. Zendaya was great. Dude, she was so she was fucking uh, shockingly good. good. Um, she might be a dark horse there. Uh, Sandra O oh is nominated. You said she always has a shot. She does really well. And Olivia Coleman is like a darling at these award shows. Yeah. But for me, it's Laura Linney. She's so goddamn good on Ozark. Yeah, I gotta. Uh, I agree with you on that one. Uh, if it's not her, to me. Based on what I've seen out of these shows, it's got to be Zendaya. Her, yeah, her performance I, was incredible. Was, in and the way it evolved over the course of the series was great. You too. know, the way that she captured, you know, angst addiction and angst. angst. Mania, yeah, all friendship, of that. everything. It was it was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant show. Uh, outstanding lead actor in a drama: Jason Bateman in Ozark, Sterling K. Brown in This Is Us, Ooh. Steve Carell in The Morning Show, Brian Cox in Succession, <sighs> Billy Porter in Pose, and Jeremy Strong in Succession. It's Brian Cox. I I think it's Brian Cox. Um, Jeremy Strong was great on season three of Succession, and um, you know who? Uh, Jason Bateman has an outside shot. Uh, I would say too. But um, I to me it's got to be Brian Cox. He's so fucking good as Logan Roy. You know, uh, have you started watching Succession yet? No. Oh god damn it. Uh, Sterling K. Brown has I got a chance for. Uh, yeah. You know, this the, is us has definitely lost steam at these things. The, the thing with with for me with that is like he's an amazing actor. Amazing everything actor. He's awesome. ever oh, in waves. He's great in he's waves. Awesome in everything. It's just yeah. that this is us. It's just a cookie cutter network show, and I uh, it drives me nuts that shows like this get nominations. Yeah, I agree. It's it's because it's it's a middle America. America show. Yeah. That's what it is. 
Uh, I'm going to skip the next one. Outstanding reality competition nope. program. Um, is Big Brother nominated? No, but RuPaul's Drag Race is. That's going to win. Uh, it always wins. I was recently told that it always wins. Manfro loves that show. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> he does. Uh, outstanding lead actor in a limited series or movie. Okay. Jeremy Irons and Watchmen. Okay. Hugh Hell yeah. Hugh Jackman in Bad Education. He was great in Bad Education. Paul Mescal in Normal People. Okay. Jeremy Pope in Hollywood. And Mark Ruffalo in I Know This Much Is True. Come on, dude. Jeremy Irons. I, 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 I don't know if they're going to give it to him. I hope he does. So so I only saw I watched Bad Education. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see him giving it to Hugh Jackman with that one. He was great in it. Um now what what was the last one? Uh, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. I only watched one episode of that show and I didn't stop watching it because it was bad. I stopped watching because the first episode for me was really, really hard to get through. And he plays dual roles in that. He plays twin brothers. And he had a scene where he was acting off himself where I was it was gut wrenching. And he I, I watched it when I was like, he's gonna win something for this. I want Irons to win. The fart in Watchmen alone should win it for him. <laughs> the fart alone was the funniest fucking thing that I wasn't ready for. All right, what's next? Uh, outstanding lead actress in a limited series or movie. Kate Blanchett in Mrs. America. Okay. Uh, Shira Haas in Unorthodox. Regina King in Watchmen. Octavia Spencer in Self Made. And Carrie Washington in Little Fires Everywhere. Every one of these actresses is fucking incredible. So I don't. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, Regina King for me. I love Regina King. Yeah. She's a fucking powerhouse. So Regina King for me with that one. Um, okay, outstanding supporting actor in the drama series, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, Better Call Saul. Yep, Gus Fring. Um, everybody from Succession. It's literally it's um <laughs> it's it's Kieran Culkin. Yep, it's the guy that plays Tom mm-hmm. on that, and um the uh, cousin Greg. Yeah. the guy that three nominees in that fucking category really? for Succession. Yeah, the the funniest ones, Kieran and Kieran Culkin's the best one, which is not a slight against those guys. Yeah, he's so goddamn funny in this season specifically because he has a relationship with. Uh, spoiler alert: This isn't like a, a story spoiler. The, the guy that's like Logan's assistant, the older woman. She she goes on the other side of the door and berates him while he jerks off. <laughs> and like he's like a, a sad, like a, a masochist. He loves being abused. Um, um, so who else besides those? Matthew McFadden. Oh wait, no, that's another. That's okay. Succession. Uh, Br- uh, Bradley Whitford, Hand- Handmaid's Tale, Billy Crudup in the Morning Show, Mark Duplass in the Morning Show, and Jeffrey Wright in Westworld. Um, it's probably going to be one of the succession guys. You would think so. I it's thought, probably Kieran Culkin. I thought that Billy Crudup was fucking. Oh, he was incredible. In he, the morning I show. love Billy Crudup in general. He's yeah. fucking great. Going back to almost famous. Just he's, the way that he played that fucking slimy. Oh, fucking. he's he's great, and he was such. Um, there's one line he had in like the last episode that made me laugh my ass off. Where like, can we be that uh, that cocky? He's for the record, I am that cocky. <laughs> I was like, that's a fucking great line. He's he's awesome. I love the the part when they lock the door in the fucking studio. Head comes down he's trying to get in the room and he's like <laughs> yeah dude he's great <laughs> he's like i can't hear i'm you. excited for when that comes back all right cesspit has actually got a hit so go on what's the next category uh standing supporting actress in a drama series laura dern in big little lies meryl streep in big little lies Ugh, fuck meryl streep in killing eve uh julia garner in ozark oh hell yeah uh sarah snook in succession shiv uh helena bottom carter in the crown samira wiley the handmaid's tale and thandy newton in westworld Thandie's great. She's Even awesome. if I don't like she's Westworld anymore, she's she's like incredible. Really is like consistently she's very good. Um, but that one is a really hard one to say who's going to win that. I'm going to say Julian Gardner because she won it last year, and mm. she's her is Ruth on Ozark. She's so fucking good. Uh, outstanding supporting actor in a comedy. 
Uh, Andre Brower in Brooklyn Nine Nine, Mahershala Ali in Rami, yeah, Keenan Thompson in Saturday Night Live. Good for oh, yeah, Keenan. Yeah, Good for Keenan. Fair enough. I, I um, I'll always have love for Keenan. I got no. Com- I I love the fact that he is the one that became more successful when everyone when we were young thought it was Cal. And where's Cal? And look at Keenan. Cal's yeah. uh, doing all that reunions. And look at Keenan. He's one of the busiest working guys in show business. Good for Keenan. Uh, Daniel Levy in Schitt's Creek. William Jackson Harper in The Good Place. Alan Arkin in the Kaminsky method. Arkin's going to win it. <laughs> uh, Sterling K. Brown in Miss Maisel and Tony Shalhoub. He's on that, too. Yeah. No shit. Give yeah. it to the dude from Brooklyn Nine-Nine because he plays a gay black cop ahead of a police Are, precinct. They, oh, so is Brooklyn Nine-Nine still on? Uh, yeah. So oh, Terry Crews is so getting fired. The, he made uh, an acronym out yes. of Coon yesterday on Twitter. He's so getting fired. Uh, and not that I think he should, but he's so getting fired. They're going into their eighth season. Okay. Yeah, he's getting fired. <laughs> um, outstanding supporting actress in a comedy, Betty Gilpin in Glow. Oh, she's uh, great on Glow. Orgy in Orgy. <laughs> in <laughs> Insecure. Kate McKinnon on Saturday Night Live. Cecily Strong on Saturday Night Live. Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek. Uh, Darcy Carden in The Good Place, Alex Borstein in Miss Maisel. Miss Maisel, and, Alex Borstein's winning that one. And uh, Marion Hinkle in Miss Maisel. I, I, okay, so I'm I'm definitely the outlier here because everyone loves it. I tried Shit's Creek. It did not do it for me. I don't care I, for I, it. I, I, I don't. I, I get the first off. I love Eugene Levy. Yeah. His son on the show annoys the piss out of me. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you why. I love Catherine O'Hara. She's been fu- the mom on Home Alone. The fucking mom in Beetlejuice. She's great. It, it just doesn't click for me. I, I never saw it, but everyone does like my. Yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm in the minority there, man. I tr- I really gave it like a, a concentrated effort, and it just did not make me laugh. And it should be in the vein of things I like because it's got like almost that Arrested Development kind of feel to it. But it just it's almost one of these shows that's almost aware that it's like outlandish and quirky. It just doesn't do it for me. Yep. Uh, next up is outstanding supporting actor in a limited series or movie. Dylan McDermott in Hollywood. Jim Parsons in Hollywood. Uh, Titus Burgess in The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Kimmy versus the Reverend. I, I guess they made a movie. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, Jovan Adepo in Watchmen, Louis Gossett Jr. in Watchmen, and uh, remember a couple years ago we had a hard time pronouncing Mahershala Ali's name? Yeah, it was Mustafa Ali. Yeah. It wasn't a couple years ago, it was a year ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the guy who played, I'm just going to call him the guy who played uh, Dr. Manhattan because I don't want to fuck his yeah, name up. Yeah, his name is very difficult. He, yeah. I, I tried, when I was reading the nominees the other day, I'm like, what the fuck is this dude's name? Yeah. Um, yeah, the wa- Watchmen, because I think, so he got nominated, mm-hmm. Young Will. Will Reeves got nominated, and yep. then Senior Citizen Will Reeves got nominated. Yeah, which uh, Hooded Justice. Yeah, I'm um, just hearing everything. I'm just like, I really don't watch any shows. Yeah, I know. I still can't believe you haven't watched Watchmen. You haven't uh, watched. No, I, I saw Watchmen. You didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah. How does I, it end? No, because I got bored with like three episodes. <laughs> Josh, now listen, and I boiled it down to I'm just not really a show guy, honestly. Like, I guess I, 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 that like, could, yeah, that's that under that's more like, understandable. I, I, I like I like what I like when it comes to that. Shows. That's more understandable. Well, like I, as much as I want to keep watching Deadwood, like I, I'm not in a pressing need. You know what I'm saying? Like, you watch I, the I same like shows it. over and over again. Yeah, because I like them. That, all right. Well, maybe you like other ones. Yeah, but like I don't want to try. I don't care. I think you really need to I actually commit to both Succession and Watchmen. There, there I, I see well, no su- world where you don't like su- well, uh, Watchmen. Well, Succession. Well, Succession. I'm sure I would like. I just have I have no pressing need to watch. The last show I watched that I was like floored with was Westworld, and then season three killed it for me. Uh, yeah, and season two killed it for me. So, yeah, two was awful, so uh, what do we have next? Uh, outstanding supporting actress in a limited series or movie. Okay, uh, Holland Taylor in Hollywood. Uh, Uzo Aduba, Mrs. America. Uh, I think he's. A, I think that's a Samoan wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> Marco Martindale, Mrs. America. Tracy Ullman, and Mrs. America. 
uh, Gene Smart and Watchmen, and uh, favorite of the show, Tony Collette in Unbelievable. Yeah, I didn't watch Unbelievable. The landlord did, and um, I was actually surprised she didn't like it that much because it is very much one of these, like, in especially in the Me Too movement, it's about a girl not being believed she was raped. Yeah. She's like, Tony Collette was really good on it, but the show wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we have next? I know we're getting kind of the redundant award soon. Yeah, uh, so Variety Talk Series, we're going to skip. Outstanding Variety Sketch Series, we're going to skip. Yeah, I think uh, that's... Host for a reality program. I think these are all the irrelevant awards now. Guest actor in a drama series, that's a thing. Like, who, who, who are the names? They're probably like episodes of SVU and shit. Uh, so you got Andrew Scott in Black Mirror, James Cromwell in Succession, Giancarlo Esposito in The Mandalorian. Oh, hell yeah. Martin Short in The Morning Show. He was really good in that. In I know, and I usually uh, don't was, like Martin Short, but he was uh, good on that. Roast, Jason dude. Bateman in yeah. The Outsider. Oh, J- that's so funny. He's a guest star. First off, he's more or less like the, the crutch of the entire story. Yeah. Um, and he also produced and wrote it and directed it. <laughs> um, and, uh, he was doing it. He's like, dude, I got to be a part of this. Guest, yeah. Guest actress in a drama series. Uh, Cicely Tyson, How to Get Away with Murder. Laverne Cox, Orange is the New Black. Jerry Jones, Succession. Harry Walter, Succe- Succession. Uh, Alexis Bledel. Dude, Succession Show. is fucking, these awards are crazy. Uh, and Felicia Rashad, This Is Us. Okay. Uh, See, I, you know what I think I might do because I am going down the shore tomorrow. Yeah, I'm coming back on Saturday. Okay, well, like around like noon time, I might just I might just take maybe like two hours out of my day and just like watch the first like because I've seen the first episode of the first season so many times of what Succession? Yeah, they'll have to like like because it's years Dude, in between se- viewings. Season one is great, but season two is so next level. And, it is yeah. so next level. And also, not to stop what we're doing real quick is because uh, remember last week you did the no offense or I'm sorry, so it's okay. Yeah, sure, I'm sorry. So. Bob in the group chat goes, Micah, it really sucks that you have to yes. deal with the mother of Mahomes for the next ten years. No offense. So I couldn't help myself. I go, it really stinks that you can't get you can't get past the Vikings in the playoffs. No offense. That's true. They can't, can't no, I would even say Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Not even just the Vikings. Because Kirk Cousins is the weak link on the Vikings. Well, it was, it was there is a Super Bowl it was team Keys with Keenum that threw the ball yeah. to Stefan Diggs. Bingo. Bingo. All right, are we done with it? Or is uh, there no, one more? We have uh, oh we have three God. more. Uh one of them matters, one okay. of them doesn't. So All right. I'll, I'll skip it, and one of them has a has a show related joke in it. Okay. Okay. Does there. it? Let's hear uh, it. So outstanding guest actor in a comedy series. We're going to skip. Doesn't matter. Outstanding guest actress in a comedy series. Angela Bassett, a black lady sketch show. Maya Rudolph, Saturday Night Live. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Saturday Night Live. Maya Rudolph, The Good Place. Wanda Sykes, The Marvelous Miss Maisel. And Betty Midler, The Politician. <laughs> It's funny. The landlord was watching the politician, and it came on. I was like, Midler, I, was, I was like, oh, Betty Midler's in this. <laughs> uh, and then the last one that matters: outstanding limited series, Little Fires Everywhere, Mrs. America, Unbelievable, Unorthodox, and Watchmen. Watchmen. Yeah. If it's not Watchmen, I'll riot. I'll literally fuck myself with a big blue Doctor Manhattan dildo. <laughs> I hope they actually make that. First. I, I hope they make that because of the fucking show. The fact that when she like breaks out at the end of the episode, and she's got a fucking Doctor Manhattan gigantic vibrator. I'm like, Lori Blake fucks. <laughs> I fucking knew it. Oh, boy. Stupid. Alright. Um, uh, there's a, um, it's a loose Star Wars rumor right now. Okay. But uh, the rumor is that they are looking to continue the story of Solo on Disney Plus okay. with the entire cast returning. Okay. It's either that nobody it's, it's, know. It's well, no, he's dead. I'm just saying. Yeah, nobody house. The entire surviving cast will say. Um, my favorite part of that movie. Well, that's also goes to say that the guy that plays Darth Maul will not be playing Darth Maul because he is officially canceled because he went off on Instagram this weekend by posting pictures of his wife giving him head um, and videos of it as well. And his daughter had to post a whole thing about it. Like my dad's an embarrassment. We don't ever even really see him. Uh, he's an asshole. He beats us. So Ray Park's canceled. Oh. Just get the guy that did the voice. 
voice acting on the fucking Clone Wars. Yeah. He was even better because mm-hmm. he actually had speaking scenes. Yeah. Um, but it's either we're going to get a solo continuation or the other rumor was a Lando Calrissian series with Donald Glover. Hell yeah. I'm in for either or. Yeah. I'll take either or. Give me either or. I'm about it. Um, uh, the update on Tenant pisses me off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the movie that we'll never see. No. Well, it's guaranteed. Oh, guaranteed. It's never going to come out. No, it's coming out overseas. Not, not here, though. That's cute. It's not coming out. It's it's going to come out overseas, so all the spoilers will be around. Yeah, well, but um, well, not here. Just find it and put it on fucking uh, Plex. Plex. Yeah, that's probably what I'll have to do. It's so fucking irritating. And all in cool movie news is that uh, Universal Studios, who had that deal with AMC, have now reached a new deal that after three weeks of a new movie being in the theater, they will be available on video on demand. I think it's about fucking time. Yep, I like it. I you love know what it. I mean? Because it's like, I see, but are there still months? certain movies you would go see in the theater? Like Tenant, I think. To me, it's like well, Tenet's a movie theater movie. Tenet's a theater experience. Movies like Interstellar, nineteen. The Marvel stuff is probably Marvel a theater stuff, experience. Well, I yeah, you know, uh, for me, it, if I could avoid spoilers, I would just wait three weeks. Uh, but f- so for me, the only movie theater movies are Star Wars and Marvel. I can wait everything else. I can't with Tenet because he specifically filmed it to be seen in a specific way. Like I want to respect the the filmmaker's recommendation so, with that. Like I said, like my big thing is that if I saw Interstellar at home, oh, would it not been the same? It's not the same. Like Gravity is not a great movie, but in the theater, it was an experience. Correct. So I, I know with some movies that like sometimes you have to like. I'm very thankful I saw Wolf of Wall Street in the theater before sure. I saw it sure. at home. But uh, I it's. It, Josh saw Wolf of Wall Street a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> Two months ago, dickhead. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Dude, that's almost as bad as the time we were like we were talking about Gran Torino when we were living at Greg's house. And he goes, What are you That was embarrassing. Like, that was worse than Wolf of Wall Street. He was like, What are you guys talking about? And then we said, All right, cool, you're not going home for the Yeah, we're watching this movie. Watch Get me another beer, dragon lady. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it. I can't repeat the joke that he said to VFW. Oh, God. I remember he said it, and Josh looks at me and goes, why have I never watched this movie? (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm definitely down for this whole three-week idea. Well, Um, it makes sense. I'm so tired of waiting months and months and months to fucking wait. Yeah, and all it took was Trolls World Tour. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Troll. I might just have to watch it as a thank you. So, by the way. I'm not paying for it, though. I didn't realize I did this because usually. You bought Trolls World Tour? Usually movies on Apple TV. Nineteen ninety nine across the board. Sure. So I bought. So I thought I bought King of Staten Island. Turns out I rented it for twenty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's how that's how VOD works. Yeah, you can't buy the movies when they first come out. No, I'm saying on app. I'm saying on Apple TV, it's usually nineteen ninety nine to because, buy. It's three ninety nine. No, but, but the new, what they're doing with it, the, the because it didn't come out in the theaters. Well, the reason they're pricing it that way is they're taking the national average of two movie theater tickets. Right. Well, so I I didn't know that at the time. So that's why I was like, I, I wanted to watch it the other and day. you couldn't. So I, I'm looking for it. I'm scrolling. Like, where the fuck is it? And then it's. I go look at it again. It was rent 19.99. I go, Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I paid twenty dollars for that fucking thing. I'm pissed. I paid twenty dollars for it. The same price if you, you would have paid. Theater. Yeah, if you went to the fucking theater, you would have seen much that in more. the theater. But I didn't go. I wouldn't have seen it in the theater. I 100 was not as you might have theater. No, I wouldn't. Have. I would have. I know for a fact I wouldn't. Have. I would. That one I would have. Big epics. I like. I would have loved to see Greyhound in the theater. That would I. I Greyhound was really good. I like Greyhound. I didn't watch it yet. Oh, it's, it's really okay. It's, so think it's of a it, dude's movie. 100. It's yeah. a total guy. Flick. Josh, it's it's one dimensional, but it's fucking 
Excellent. Okay. Did you see? So the big uh, go back conspiracy theories. Um, Tom Hanks. You know, we talked about how they believe he's a pedo or whatever. <laughs> so this whole thing came out that him and his wife applied for. Uh, uh, they, they got their citizenship for Greece, right? I didn't realize I fuck kids. Uh, yeah, I may not be a smart man, but I bone that five year old. <laughs> <laughs> Mom always said life is like a box of chocolate. They're delicious like a child's asshole. <laughs> When I was going to Harvey Weinstein, I was running. running. I went to Epstein Island and I fucked a 14-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many lines you could do. do, do it's, it's like you said. Like, Wait, I, it's I, like I you got it. shot to a kid. You got fucked. I got shot in the butt talks. You got fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! It said, it "said you ain't got no legs, you ain't got no hymen." <laughs> this is disgusting. Epstein got oh my, God! Epstein got my little boys and Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> and I shot a load in that young man. <laughs> Oh my God! This is bad. Yeah. Is this you, okay? Yeah, no. It's it's really. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like more quotes. Just in case I was wondering, that was not me falling. Whenever I was going to Epstein Island, I was fucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I got you. I. <laughs> I got you a 12-year-old, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan, 12-year-old. Oh, <laughs> Wherever I was going, I was fucking. You got fucked. That- <laughs> Dude, there's. There's. There, you know what? We could work it to another movie, Philadelphia. Oh, shit. You have AIDS. What? Fuck. <laughs> Dude. Oh my god, that's so funny. That's so Your butt fucks. I keep playing it. Dude. <laughs> I was going to Epstein Island. I was fucking. Dude, there's so many you could do that with this. So funny, oh my god. Holy we got shit. more 12 year olds and David Crockett. <laughs> um, when he says he went to the White House, I had me about 14, 15 little yeah, boys. I had about 14 little boys. <laughs> oh my, oh my god. Um, but yeah, so him and. I'm sorry, dude. That's that's oh. the funniest. I haven't laughed at him. What a, a segue. We just need to splice this clip up, I think. Holy um, shit. So he. Him and his wife got dual citizenship, um, and the passports are they're citizens of oh Greece my now. God, my stomach hurts. And th- but these idiots are like, oh, you know why they're doing this? Because uh, they're about to get arrested for child trafficking. Yeah, you know, here's the thing though: Greece and America have an extradite extradition agreement. So if he did get busted for fucking kids, he comes right back. And people are like, well, we know that the government of Greece has a long history of pedophilia. Do we? Oh, did someone just hit a home run to tie it? Yes, they did. Who hit it? Uh, Nimmo. Nimmo home run to tie it. Yes, he did. 2-2. That was really, really funny and extremely abhorrent. It was disgusting. I should not be making jokes about children getting raped and molested. Taylor is about to crash his car again. That's the funniest fucking shit. Oh Sorry, my! I, listen, I don't, I don't mean to fucking quote Larry the Cable Guy, but I don't care who you are. That's funny. <laughs> oh, shit. You got fucked. <laughs> you just fart too. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor just farted from laughing. Oh.
That was, um, yeah, that was almost too far for me. Almost, though. Um, Josh and I are excited about Boys Season 2 in a couple weeks. Yes, sir. Um, That's a great segue. They, they just confirmed Giancarlo Esposito for Season 3, I believe, or this season, I think. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan they're trying to get for Season 3. Ooh, like um, uh, you didn't watch The Boys, right, Taylor? So I saw a thing on uh, YouTube about it, and I saw like a little clip on it. It looks pretty cool. I There's no way it is a must-watch, dude. It's only yeah. thirty-minute episodes. It's a comedy that's so fucking funny. It gets really dark at times. Yeah. It's definitely a must-watch. It's up your alley because it's only thirty. It's what eight episodes of first season. My favorite part of the first season is Taylor. There's this hero called Homelander. Now the the, the premise of the show is the heroes are the bad guys. Um, okay. They become like uh, cor- uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. They yeah. be and he uh, Homelander is supposed to be a Superman more yeah. or less. So there's a scene because I have a feeling you may not watch it anyway. So I'm just going to tell you um, where uh, a plane is about to uh, crash, um, but the heroes make it worse. Okay. So Homelander decides to destroy the black box and destroy the plane okay. to cover up the fact that they made it worse. Yeah, dude. So he destroys the plane and then he comes to like the scene of the crash and he gives the, the exact speech that President Bush gave at Ground Zero on 9-11. <laughs> yeah, dude. The, Holy the, shit. Somebody shouted, we can't hear you. He goes, yeah, well, I can hear you and we're going to find the people that did this and the whole oh. thing, word for word, the exact Dude, speech. you need to watch. You're going to love the well, boys. So the, the clip I saw was, I don't know, it made me laugh. It was like a serious moment where, like two dudes are having a race or something, like Atomic or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck their name was and there's like another hero at the top and he's all in his get up and shit and you just see Carl Urban there's everyone there's a whole crowd facing everyone cheering and shit and it's just slow motion Carl Urban turning around and just staring at this guy and I don't know why I laughed as hard as I did Carl Urban's great on that fucking show he says Un- cunt a lot yeah, dude, cunt. He's, dude he's an, uh, such an underrated yeah, actor man definitely. he's so good I love him and, in Thor Ragnarok he's so funny <laughs> have, have you ever seen the I named them Dis and Troy so when I have them I destroy oh, he's giving so like this whole big speech about it like you think he's gonna like you know un- Unveil some crazy thing. And goes build my stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see uh, Dread with him in? Oh, it's oh, great, it's so good. Dude. Dread actually, actually such a great. There's movie. a conversation right now for a Dread Netflix series, oh, but, it won't, yeah. but it won't be Carl Urban. Uh-oh. But they want to get Carl Urban and Sylvester Stallone in cameos of some sort. Okay, so I'm in. I never will watch I, the Sylvester Stallone one again. It's I, awful. I think no, it's so bad. Stinks, it's dude. awful. It's, it's so awful. Bad. All the bad Stallone '90s stuff. It's the it's, worst. Um, nah, you could look some of these up. There's some bad ones. <laughs> Get Carter, the remake, is awful. Oh, yeah. What? He remade Get Carter. It's fucking terrible. Um, okay. So, Taylor, you've missed going to concerts. Obviously, we all have. Yep. Um, have you seen what some other countries are doing right now with concerts? And I could see this. Co- Actually, I've heard this could be coming here. No. little I, insider news. No, I, I really haven't, to be honest. Potential news. So, what uh, they're doing in other countries that they're looking to bring here is your ticket to a concert would be a hotel room. Right? Okay. You go out on the balcony of the hotel, and the band is playing on the floor uh, outside the hotel. And then basically in the hotel room, you'll have drink options and, you know, beer and water and shit. You can stay if you want. There'll be different options to stay the night. And literally, I saw a video of it. It's a band just playing there, and people all on the balconies from the floor all the way up are watching the concert. They had some screens set up. I think that's a cool fucking idea. I think for the short term, yeah. I mean, to get everyone their fix for sure, because I mean, as much as I would love to be in a pit for My Chemical Romance, I think Josh and I would greatly appreciate, even from a distance, to see, like, especially because we waited as long as we did to even get yeah, their reunion. Sure. Yeah. I mean, even to see Coheed, like, 
like that see any band we wanted to see, you know? Obviously, there would be some shit that would stink because, like, we go see Killswitch Engage, I want to throw the fuck down. But it's, listen, it's just the world we live in right now, so I do yeah. understand. I think it's a reasonable compromise. Yeah, dude. I mean, it could be, it'd be a, at least a unique experience. I would go do one of those. I 100% would just to say I did it. Yeah, for you know sure. What I mean? and, um, but that ties into the next thing I actually wanted to say. So there's this nonprofit, I believe they're called Neva. Okay. And so what they're they're trying to pass through is that they're trying to uh, acquire grants for independent music video, uh, independent music ven- venues to stay afloat during these during okay. these time Okay. Very good. So you got people like Dave Grohl, you got people like Lita Ford, you got uh, th- as far as the people that are still alive, the giants in rock and roll that are vouching for this, and they're trying to save music, live music as a whole, because from what I'm hearing now, I mean, even though you want to say about Franz, he's a bit of a dickhead, but he he is in the know. He's saying in there's a possibility there's no live music till 2022. Um, I was about to tell you, from what I understand right now, um, venues are being told probably no concerts until at the earliest next July. That's a 2022. I, I, yeah. I think would be more safe. Yeah. Um, but it's it really does stink. I mean, it puts a damper on everything because next concert I could probably go to, I'll be 30. You know what I mean? And 30 plus. I'll be 31. <laughs> 30 which, plus. Which is fucked. Yeah. And I don't care, dude. I don't care. No. You know, like, I will, I will buy tickets to every fucking concert. I will. I'm going to go to every single one and I I'll come to one you, uh, <laughs> that's the same thing I was like hey you know, I want you guys to come over to the house I got everything furnished I got nice couches immediately Dan I'm busy <laughs> it doesn't say a date I'm busy I told the landlord she's like no you need to go I was like I know I'm just being an asshole <laughs> I know you're being a dickhead, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, what are you going to do? Stay home and do the same thing? And you're like, yeah. Probably, yeah. yeah. My, the, the, the coronavirus has been great for me not having to see people. It's been I, wonderful. It's one of my favorite tweets. I remember you uh, you quoted a tweet, and it's like, <laughs> what's the one thing that you're not gonna uh, that you're going to miss? <laughs> not seeing people. No, I think I said, Whatever like, um, not needing to come up with an excuse to not see people. Yeah, facts. <laughs> I've had every reason in the book not to. But I mean, I, I listen. As, as much again, I'm an avid concert goer. It's a part. It's a part of my DNA at this point. Josh is. You don't go to nearly as much. I go to. I go to like se- but, seven to ten a year. But you go to a decent amount of shows yeah. where it makes. sense. I miss going to them genuinely. Facts. And uh, I, I just really want to have that community come back. You know what I mean? It's yeah. defined now, me for a better part of 15 years. For sure. I'm I'm a full agreement on that. And so, even if I'm not as into it, I know it's such a huge part of your guys' lives and a lot of my friends. And uh, I love music and the music scene, so I want it to come back in full force. And Dude, it's been, it's been tough. Like, every time something sucks. gets... You know, we know that everything is canceled, but every time something gets officially canceled, I just get so much more bummed. Yeah. You know, Coheed officially canceled today. Yeah. Super fucking bummed. Like, I get it. I knew that it was canceled. Did you guys listen to that Rush cover I sent yesterday? Dude, that was really fucking cool. Dude, Les, Play- Les Playpool is the man. Dude, he always I, has. Dude, it. I, I, it's I, every- I thought it was Dana Carvey. I know, but everyone in that <laughs> like, is. Why the fuck every- is Garth playing every- drums? Everyone in that is great, but specifically Dan-, Dan. I almost said it too. Danny Carey and Les Claypool are fucking ripping. I mean, you're doing fucking Getty Lee and Neil yeah, Peart. Kind of. I, I love Les Claypool in the full mask. It's fucking great. With the two fucking and he's just he makes it look so easy playing a fucking six string. When they did the Behind the Lighted Stage documentary about Rush, the first thing they did, they were doing all these people about YYZ. They did a whole 20 minute part about it. And Les Claypool didn't even say anything. He just played the intro to YYZ on his bass. And he's just sitting there with a stupid shitty grin on his face. Dude, the guy is effortless. Him and Flea. I mean, to me, Les Claypool is the greatest bass player of all time. I think the only other. 
people you could probably put in that category is like John Entwistle, uh, Steve Harris, Chris Squire, Chris Squire. Um, my favorite bass player of all time. Well, that jazz guy. Think, uh, Jaco Pastorius to yeah, me is the greatest bass player. And John Paul Jones was an incredible, incredible bass player. By the way, John Cliff Paul Burton jo- taken way before his time. Yeah, great bass player. Cliff Gr- Burton would play the bass and he would solo like it was a fucking Cliff Bur- When Cliff Burton died, bass and Metallica died for 20 years. Yeah, I like I, new listen. Stead. Even though he's the new guy uh, of the band, I forget the guy's name. The long hair, Robert Trujillo. You know Trujillo. He's, he's fucking Newstead. Awesome. Newstead is not bad, but he's it, fine. It's, he's just it's, like, a, it's a it's it was a James no, and Lars thing. They they yeah. There was well, there was no there was there was there was very very little soul to Metallica after that. Like Metallica was a band where the bass was such a big part of it, and then yeah. it kind of took a back seat. Well, so like I said, there's a video of Cliff. I mean, what Cliff was all of like what twenty three years old when he died or something. Yeah, like that. Like that. And you like you see him at a live show. I mean, like listen, you got you got Kirk Hammock and probably at the time uh, Dave Mustaine. You know what I mean? Like you got these the three gi- three giants of rock and roll. You got bass player, which normally by any rock and roll standards, like eh, he plays bass. Yeah. And you seeing this guy ripping guitar solos on a bass guitar. So and with the weirdest distortion and the treble, everything was turned up to fucking yep. eleven, dude. He is so underappreciated because he was taken so so yep. early from us. And that's the part that stinks. You know, uh, Metallica is obviously one of my favorite bands, but it's they're funny to me when you look at it from certain standpoints. Like, you know, Cliff was part of the heart and soul of the band, and when he Facts. when when what happened to him happened, you know, they brought Newstead in. He was just kind of a guy in the band. Yeah, what he was just there. Don't get is that Kirk is very much just a guy in the band. Yeah, too. for sure. It's Taylor, I want you to, after we're done recording, I want you to go on YouTube and I want you to look up Master of Puppets lead guitar only. It will blow you away. Oh, really? It's ridiculous. Kirk, it's it's Kirk plays, stupid. It's an eight-minute long song, and Kirk maybe plays a collective minute and a half of the yeah. song. Yeah. That's, the rest of it's all James. It's, it's dumb. Well, uh, that's... Well, so yeah, it's like, we need a solo. Come in. They did, they <laughs> did, Welcome to Say in Anger. They did Because, uh, like, if you listen to it, uh, you know, and you really want to, like, listen for it, you'll notice a lot of times, like, hey, wait a minute. There's only one guitar playing. And yep. that's, like, a lot of the song. They did uh, a mini documentary on... Probably to me, their most underrated album, which is Hardwired to Self Destruct, was they did a mini doc. And not at one point do you see, I forget, the, I keep forgetting the bass player's name. Not Rob, one point, Robert Trujillo. At, not one point do you see Kirk Hammett. It's all James and Lars. Lars That's is a it. cocksucker. That's all. I wanted to make a joke to you the other day when you said that you knew that all your music was pirated because none of the album artwork was there. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, some Metallica fan you are. <laughs> and I was right. also then, but I'm thinking like, oh yeah, all my music was pirated, but I was so fucking OCD that I had to add the album artwork. <laughs> so, I um, did that too. I um, did that a lot. So I actually wanted to save Aliens for next week with Justin here because I also want to finish the Rogan podcast with Jeremy Corbin and George Knapp that he had. It's incredible. I, I want to finish that and actually because Justin's very much into all that kind of stuff. Um, the last thing I want to leave you with is, I believe, coming to the drive-in movie theater this Friday and drive-in theaters across the country is Twister. So, guys, go see Twister. Have to go. I'm going to see Twister at the drive-in where I originally saw it. But, um, guys, this was a fun episode. This is good. Uh, we talked about... I literally hurt myself We laughing. talked sports. We talked movies. We talked... Pedo, Forrest Gump. Uh, we talk Metallica, Rush. Um, this is episode 112 of You Watch, I Listen. Um, great song to take us out with. Movie pick, for, uh, movie pick for this week was Come and See. And the album pick this week was 30 Seconds to Mars. This is War. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. You hurt yourself from laughing. I legit cramped up, dude. <laughs>